0: Hey, folks, I'm Jamie Kenny, and you're listening to Nashville Off the Record, recorded here at Never Never, 413 Houston Street, Nashville, Tennessee. This is a show where I get to sit down for a drink or two with the creators, writers, musicians who give this town its legendary reputation. We take a close behind the scenes look at the music industry and the stories behind the songs with some of the greatest storytellers of all time. This podcast is a production of Lewis Park Radio, and I'm producing it with my partner in crime, Mike Robinson. Follow us on our socials at Nashville Off the Record, and hit us up if you'd like to at LewisParkRadio at gmail.com. My guest today is a longtime in demand session drummer here in Nashville, Tennessee, and two time Grammy Award winning songwriter, producer. He is a co founder of I Want That Sound Sample Company. Love it, use it all the time. Uh which has become a favorite resource for producers all around the world. He has also been known to perform on stage and in studio with hundreds of bands, including Hillsong, Brooke Frazier, All Sons and Daughters, Dave Barnes, Chris Tomlin, and many more. Please welcome to the show a man with extremely deep pockets Mm -hmm. and everyone's favorite Aussie, don't tell Adam Lester, the (laughs) the powerful and very handsome Paul Mayberry.
1: (laughs) It's good to be here. Brother, welcome. Cheers. Cheers to you. A little whistle pig for for starters. Yeah, yeah, I'll have a little sip too. You're looking very handsome today, Mm. by the way, especially in the headphones. Same, man,
0: I always wanted to ask you where you get your shirts. They're always so flowy and Australian.
1: This is to kind of. Well, I just kind of think uh, I just took a bus trip with the family. We hired a tour bus for a a fun trip, and I think I put on about five or six pounds. So that's why I'm wearing a flowy shirt. I don't believe you. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, hiding the dad bod right now. Right,
0: right. <laughs> um, you've been, uh, this COVID thing has got you exercising a bunch, huh? Or,
1: or do you always? I, I I, didn't for the longest time. My wife's always exercised. She ran track in college. You know, she's always looked after herself. Um, and so I woke up one morning after seeing a video of me jumping in the pool. I looked like a jellyfish or something. That'll do it. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. But it was the best thing that happened. And then I just started... Every day I wake up, I don't eat anything. I just go straight to exercise. Used to be the why. Okay. And then I lost all that weight, felt great. And then since then, I've I've just tried to stay active, especially as a drummer and a producer, you sit for hours a day, you know, it's bad on your back. And so I found the best thing for me was to move. So I'd go work out. Then when the pandemic happened, Maggie uh, immediately ordered a, a Peloton. And so every day I do the same thing. I just I don't think about it. I just get up, put some shorts on, get on the bike for at least 30 to 45 minutes. And then if I do 45, I try to burn 1,000 calories and then I get off. That's it. I mean as many
0: notes as you play on the drums you're such a notey player surely you've got to burn <laughs> a lot of calories
1: <laughs> well that's the thing it's, it's, I think the thing that's the most demanding thing when you play the drums um, is back it's your back right? right? and so the only thing that kind of takes the pain uh, or you know the only, th- the only thing that really works is for me is to warm up and then stretch and then for the rest of the day I'm, I'm pretty good You've always struck me as a guy with good
0: posture. We mm-hmm. were just talking about posture actually yeah. right before we jumped on. But yeah. did did you always have good posture or did Maggie Maggie force you
1: to she, Yeah. Yeah. Maggie's helped me with that core strength. It sucks. The the worst exercises, you know, out of all, you know, athletics, I think anything that like the plank, all that horrible stuff. But it helps. It helps. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, your beard with every day gets stronger (laughs) it's the music industry just when i when i landed in nashville i didn't have a gray hair now i'm just you know i'm like skinny santa (laughs) (laughs) you you're so good
0: at at creating hooks that you actually found a way to make your beard a hook
1: yeah well it's funny the only thing that actually uh causes me to cut it off is the beard community you know when you have a beard there's this community. You walk into a cafe or into a bar, and then a guy with a beard will look at you and go, Nod. Strong, nice mm-hmm. beard, yeah. And so every now and then it just gets a little much, and so I just cut it back just to be normal. I, I feel that. I I bought a Jeep
0: a year ago, and I'm horrified by the Jeep community. The Jeep I, community. I feel like mm-hmm. just driving down, you get the, the two-finger off the steering wheel, and I just, it's <laughs> it's the only time. I love driving yeah. the Jeep, but it is the only time I'm embarrassed. Yeah. And it's very difficult to raise those two fingers, though I occasionally yeah. do. You know, um,
1: I, and I keep the beard now because if I cut it off, it horrifies everyone in my family. <laughs> they apparently don't like my face, so yeah, yeah. I, I just keep it covered. I still
0: remember the day, and I haven't thought about it for a minute till you talked about your children being horrified by facial hair, <laughs> but I remember the day I was in the pool in Florida, Yep. and my... Father walks in the front door
1: after work with a perm. Oh, 80s. And that's an 80s strong move right yep, there.
0: Yep. And I still remember it. And we all <laughs> shrieked. There was an audible shriek. And I think the loudest of which was my mother. But it was. it yeah. was And he had this, you know, shitty grin on his face. Like he was so proud of it. You know, yeah. But mustache, you know, Tom Selleck. I, yeah. I think that's probably what it was. He was watching too much Magnum PI yeah. and he thought Tom Selleck was handsome, so he decided. Well, that. I mean, he is
1: a handsome dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, Paul, you were telling me before we got on that you, something I never knew about you, though, I should have assumed, given that you're from Australia. Yeah. Um
1: You grew up surfing. I did. I grew up uh, going to the beach, and, you know, I come from Perth. Uh, that's on the West Coast, so the sun, you know, the sun sets on the ocean. It's like the mirror image of California. So... It also has a huge river, um, very expansive river, and so you would go sailing, windsurfing, you know all the water sports um, and obviously surfing but it's, it's it was an awesome place you know you'd get to swim in the dolphins and it was it was amazing
0: and you just you just got back from your family vacation mm-hmm you were out in Arizona, New Mexico? We,
1: we, we rented a tour bus because of uh, COVID. They're all just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got um, Robert's brothers to get us a bus and they actually built us a trailer for the LR4. So we got to take our car, um, which was um, absolutely necessary. Cause we didn't, we took advantage of having the bus and an amazing driver, Mike. Um, and we just, we went down to Dallas, caught up with some family. And then basically surfed the border all the way over to the West Coast. And then we went north. Um, we went through all the nat- like all these beautiful national parks and, you know, white sands and Yellowstone. We went to uh, Jackson Hole, which was awesome. And it was a very active uh, vacation, you know. Um, in fact, it wasn't really Maggie and I, my, Maggie, my wife, we, we actually mentioned it kind of wasn't a vacation. It was just action, you know. It kind of came back feeling like we Did need to rest. Break. Yeah, we need a break. But it was the best fun. I got three boys and um, we just, you know, just made an experience. You know, it was, it was awesome. That's fun. Um, and it, had you been out to, you know,
0: in all my touring, I don't ever remember getting out of it. I mean, I probably was in an arena somewhere in mm. New Mexico, but mm. I never got out of... Beyond the bus, the hotel, right, or the and arena, it, it, and it's, everybody says it's just insane.
1: Well, it's that's that's precisely why we did this trip. Um, is as a musician, you really ever get to see anything? You, you know, you you're in the, every day is kind of groundhog day, right? It, right? When you tour, you're you're on the bus, you get off the bus, you go into catering, and then if you're like me, I go back to the bus like a hermit crab, mm-hmm. and I usually have my laptop there and, and a little, and I'm working. And then you go to sound check, play the show, after the show, you get back on the bus and that's that, you know? So, so we just decided to go to places that were remote and we would park the bus outside a hotel, get a hotel room for the driver, usually get a hotel room for ourselves, and then just go and do activities that we wouldn't normally go and get to do, you know? And it was super fun. I remember when I was um, in my twenties, 46 now, which sounds so strange, but I am. And so when in my, I was in my 20s, I heard someone say, you lose what you don't celebrate. Mm. And it's always stuck with me, you know, whether it's your teeth, or your wife, or your girlfriend, or your instrument, whatever. So I try every day to celebrate the things that matter to me. Um, and one one of the things that, uh, one of the ways that I thought we could do that on this trip was to force ourselves to experience different things. And it was also, An attempt to redefine the tour bus. Yeah, because the tour bus has always been a place of work Um, and in in some ways escape. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of um, broken marriages because of touring, because it becomes for the musician just the most amazing out. You know, there's no responsibility. All you gotta do is like perform for about two hours a day and. Then everything else is taken care of, you know. I've always felt your your age reverts about at least ten <laughs> years when you jump on a tour yeah. bus <laughs> and you get on the bus and just like man, okay, all I have to do now is play the drums. That's it. Yeah, that's all I have to do, and hang out with my buddies. And if it's a good hang and it's good music, it's it's nothing short of euphoria, you know. Um, and you get to sleep in this little cocoon, and the bus rocks you to bed. And you know, I think a lot of people. Um, I mean, I heard Willie Nelson sleeps on the bus, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, I think um, getting my family on the bus was such a wonderful thing. Just kind of redefine that space. And um, at the end of that trip, Maggie said, I get it. I get it. I get why you just want to get back on this thing yeah. and, and drive, you know, and I've kind of run a couple of tours, you know, and being a musical director and all that. And you kind of I always took it um, on me to kind of make sure everyone in that team be it the um, you know stage hands all the way through to the band and the artist to kind of make sure everyone was good you know every day and uh, the way I used to unwind at the end of the day is to stand right at the front of the bus, lean up against that bar next to the driver, and just watch the road kind of disappear. Mm-hmm under the front. And it just kind of put me in this like, in this hypnotic state of just accepting we're moving on to the next town, the next challenge. And I got kind of got addicted to that, you know, but you know, I I did a couple of years touring recently. um, And then, but before that, like I'd taken the most of 10 years off the road and just kind of concentrated on studio, drumming, producing music, writing songs. And so um, I'm back to doing that now.
0: I I always found I got the best stories Mm. from the bus driver.
1: Oh, yeah. I've always
0: been a late night guy. It's always been very difficult for me to go to bed. Yeah, me too. So I was always the last one up Mm -hmm. and I would always end up sitting on the front on that stoop. And those guys have insane stories, but they just won't come out and tell them you got to sit there Mm -hmm. get in their world. And I, I mean, some of my favorite times with those guys. And, you know, you got a guy that you've you've driven on the bus with for mm-hmm. for a week and all of a sudden you found out uh you'd find out he he drove for the thriller tour and, oh yeah and he'll start totally. telling you michael jackson mm-hmm. stories or I, I remember one uh bus driver in particular told me about uh fiona apple had just hit and he said that fiona would just always come up to the front of the bus yeah. every night and she'd stay up all night because she couldn't awesome. sleep and so he would just tell me all these fiona Apple.
1: so oh man
0: it's amazing when you get we were talking that about that before when you mm-hmm. smoke
1: cigarettes. That's mm-hmm. when you- If, you, you, if you you're not the, a smoker, you're gonna become one up the front of the bus. That's Yeah, sure. Yeah, you get, meet,
0: <laughs> you get to meet people that you, you haven't, but yeah. yeah, something about that, about touring is, for the good and the bad, it's an escape, isn't it? It it's, is. It's, um, it's very liberating, but it also can be dangerous for the mm-hmm. same reason, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I remember a musician telling me once, he said, being home is a list. It's a list of things to do. Right. And I think that's, if you're a dad and a husband, I think that's sad. I I, I try to, like I say, I try to choose to um, make home fun. In fact, uh, something happened to me about, I think it must have been two years ago, when I kind of was thinking about how can I love my wife better? How can I love my kids better? Because, you know, the music world, the music industry, you're independent, you're, you work you're your own boss, you know? And it can become all encompassing. It can become really, you know, um, a lot for your family to have to kind of deal with, you know? So I remember thinking in that time, what, what can I do to love my kids, my boys, my wife better? And I started realizing my number one role at home um, is to bring joy. So when I came out, walk out of the studio, come into the house, come into the home, I realized coming in there, my my key focus was to make Maggie laugh, to make Miller, my oldest son, George, my second born, and then Bear, the youngest, make them laugh, bring joy to the house. Because Maggie's been taking care of them. She's been like having to say, don't do this, don't do that. You know, yes, you can, no, get off your iPad, you know, no, all that stuff. And I remember joking with my boys one day. I sat down. And I said, you guys just hear no all the time. No, 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 you can't do this. No. And I said, That's, that kind of sucks. And you look at the, their face kind of going, you're admitting this, dad? I'm like, yeah, I'm admitting. It, it sucks, it totally sucks. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're in that stage of life where you kind of need to know where all the boundaries are. I said, here's the thing, one day you're going to be an adult and no one says no anymore. It's all yes. So unless you have a good pattern of doing the right thing, you're going to you just got to lose control, you know, and sometimes it's fun to lose control. You know, Ooh, was that a bomb? That's amazing. That was awesome. That was a That was a
0: train of, uh, adjusting his, his oh, belt, so to uh, speak. I like that. that I like that. That was incredible.
1: Anyway, so I think what happened with the with this situation with my boys was just kind of like I need to come in and be fun, you know, even if I've had a hard day or if I'm frustrated or working on some music, whatever. Uh, just make an effort and it changed everything for mm-hmm. us, you know. Um, and in saying that, the other thing that, you know, while I'm talking about families, the other breakthrough I had was on intimacy with my wife. It's like it really hit me that if we're if we're going through any kind of conflict, that that's every bit as much intimacy as making love or having fun. And I have no right to take anyone's fun or experience their fun or their good time or whatever if i'm not also equally prepared to take their bad Mm. you know so intimacy to me is not only able to hold someone in their good but it's also able to hold them in their bad and i think a lot of conflict whether it's with another musician or an artist you're working with or in whatever you're doing with whoever it is be it family or friend if you're able to to walk into that situation and go okay here's my commitment to you no matter what kind of day you're having i'm going to do my best to always give you a soft landing you know if you you feel like you're spiraling down you're having a bad day anxiety attack whatever you're pissed about something i'm going to do my best to be able to let you do that and land well because you're going to land you're a good dude whatever so that's what I kind of learned, and it's really changed a lot. It definitely didn't change the fact that I deal with conflict and good and bad days, but it's helped me to deal with them better, you know.
0: Right. You know,
1: uh, I've always, I mean, you know this
0: as well as I do, that we try, so we work so hard to win. We work so hard to yes. to avoid losing or to avoid conflict, and yet the irony of that is... The losses, the conflict, the the rubs with those friends that you have; those are mm-hmm. actually the things where you you learn, yeah. where you jump forward in progress. Whether it's you know whether it's whether you're playing basketball, whether you're you're playing the drums, whether you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. it's like you find out the people one that are close to you. Mm-hmm. You find out who really is gonna be there through conflict. Yeah, but we, it's always been ironic to me that we instinctively as humans, we try to avoid pain mm-hmm. and yet the pain is actually the thing that gets us where we want to go. Yeah. So it's almost like this um, opposing the inertia of yeah. whether it's safety. As humans, mm-hmm. we just we just always want to become safer. Mm-hmm. We want to move to the suburbs. You know, you make a little money, you want to get out of town mm-hmm. typically. I mean, it's switched i guess at certain times in history with urban movements but for the most part you you're looking for this insulation Mm -hmm. and yet that conflict is that's the good stuff
1: i think it is too it's there's very few successful people i'd say that haven't been driven by some kind of conflict some kind of pain you know right like for instance you know most dudes Who are successful have dad issues you know there's something that was going on like you still just want your dad to go hey you did awesome sure well done you know and so i know that for me it's like when i think about my dad i just think i'm so grateful that the conflict of him having to raise me the friction of having to raise a son you know someone like me you know because i'm i'm probably compared to most people a nightmare you know i'm super passionate i'm extremely um driven you know and so i, I can't i can't think that would have been easy to to raise a kid like that because i've always been like that but uh i think my parents did really well but i think that conflict when i really kind of break it down to whether you're writing that song or working with that artist or trying to make a a record that says something and then you look back on it and i think what you want more than anything is like the people who you love and look up to the most to say good job dude sure you know you crushed that you know it's not it's not the fans or the the masses it's not social media you right know, it's the people who matter you know right i i can't remember what manager it it was it might
0: have been peter mensch or cliff Mm -hmm. bernstein i think uh two new york managers who i think they managed the chili peppers Mm -hmm. Mm acdc they one of those two said to me it's not a good record unless somebody dies in the course of making it (laughs) he said if there's not some blood shed Mm -hmm. then it's probably a shitty record yeah And uh, I kind of relate to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I, 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 um, Sasha Scarbeck, a a buddy of mine who lives over in the UK, and he wrote Wrecking Ball. I remember Sasha and Sasha's manager sitting talking about how that song came to be. And evidently, that session was a nightmare. Right. The writing room got canceled. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were going to cancel the session luckily the manager pushed through and said no, I think this is a really good combo here we need to push through so he had a bunch of things fall through they ended up writing in a school mm-hmm. uh, like in, a, in an orchestra room basically where they where the, the band would rehearse and at this tiny little upright piano out of tune and the, the four of them gathered around the, the piano and yeah. uh, Sasha said after the session that was the shittiest session I've had in a long time <sighs> Cut to what a year? Year and a half later, yeah. Wrecking Ball. So, I, I mean, hell yeah! Uh, you you never know, but it it is, I guess, a good reminder to to fight against that inertia of, mm-hmm. of the safety of affirmation, mm-hmm. and maybe not to avoid the the failing, well, fucking I, up, I or know, screwing I, it. You
1: know, I totally agree, and I can tell you um a story i know i can't say names because we we all know these people but there's a song that was incredibly successful and there was three writers in the room and two out of those three writers because of the writing experience told me after that song we're not cutting that song i heard the song i wasn't one of the writers on this one and um, i said we are we are cutting that song you have to it's amazing and i said put it this way we're going to cut it and at the end if you still don't want to release it go ahead you know and it ended up being the the most successful song in their yeah. career so far but i'm saying that to say they had a negative experience in the right like you said and they went we don't want anything to do with that yeah, song yeah and, and they still send you a christmas card well, and i'm just, yeah every year that they're, they're happy that <laughs> they released that song that's for sure yeah, yeah. You know, And you know we're emotional people we we uh i think sometimes the most important thing to do is as i was saying is to understand the good and the bad belong like everything belongs just like that it's a a bad day it's still you still have to to me to be healthy you still have to embrace that bad day you have you not push it away say just take it in like experience the days. They, here's the conflict, you know? Right. It makes the better days all that sweeter, you know? Yeah. that's. It's why almost any anyone
0: that you find who has had some modicum of success mm-hmm. in their field, almost all of them, I've noticed, never have regrets. hmm And I never understood that for a lot of years. I just, how can you not have regrets? Surely there are ways you screwed up, things mm-hmm. you've done wrong, wished you could have done it better. Yep. And then at one point it clicked. Well, you course you have things you mistakes you made Mm -hmm. but you don't regret it because those things become amalgamated with the good and the bad become amalgamated to make your soul and your thing that you have Mm -hmm. what it is yeah and so you can't ever regret it or despise it Mm -hmm. you almost have to push into it like you said push into the negative push into the failures push into the song where you absolutely screwed up the track Mm -hmm. and failed Miserably, yeah. The right where you just laid an egg, mm-hmm. and t- you almost have to push into that to get the benefit of it, you know, because our, yeah, our winds can only produce so much yeah. energy. Winds are good, but those losses are what you feel, those yeah. are like when you're home, you're staying up all night with that notepad trying to figure out how did I screw that up today? I, yeah, I gotta figure this out. You yeah,
1: know? well, I, I, that's why I love what you're doing here because you're connecting people who have the same illness you know you this this crazy relentless never satisfied Mm -hmm. i've never ever listened back to something i did and went that's awesome i'm always like why didn't you do why did you what's that what's that about there's always something about something i'm doing that's frustrating me driving me to get better um and in fact i remember sitting on a panel and uh, I can't remember where it was at or why, but it was a panel full of, you know, great music makers and, and someone put their hand up in the room and said, uh, you know, what makes a professional musician, writer, producer, whatever? It was a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of hard to answer. But in the moment, I said, you know, what What makes a professional musician, be it a writer, drummer? Um, Producer, whatever, is on your bad day when you walk out feeling like you laid an egg, everyone else is high fiving. Right. Everybody's going, dude, that was awesome, man. Well, man, thanks, blah, blah, blah. And you get in the car and you go, I just want to quit. You know, exactly. I played like shit today. Right. (laughs) You know, I had two left feet. And especially for drummers, because it's a full body thing. You know, if your blood sugar's down or, you know, you feel like you're, you drank too much coffee you know you just pray to god that they don't want the next song to be a brushes song you know because <laughs> otherwise you're going to need like you know two fingers of you know a good yeah. dr- a stiff drink you know so i just like things like that where i think we're um we're just a kind of a different breed of people most most artists most musicians we just kind of like most of us wear our heart on our sleeve we kind of like we we actually can a lot of us can get to a weird level of intimacy as we talk to each other. I remember the first day I played with a bass player, um, a buddy of mine, and i It's I haven't met him yet. I'm just I've walked in. It was when I first moved to Nashville. I'm at the coffee machine. I'm about to to, uh, to to have a sip of the coffee, and he and he and he stands right next to me. He's like so close. It was like awkwardly close. And he goes, "You know, I I once grounded a plane." And I went. <laughs> what but you just came out with that it was like that was that was the beginning of our friendship you know and we've since become really good friends over many years but it's like that's how you met tony that's how i met tony (laughs) (laughs) that's how i met tony yeah i mean that was the first thing he did and uh i was like but the second he did that it was like the balloon was popped it was like oh now I can relax you know yeah I'm just around a bunch of you know normal crazy people he's you know? a master at that too he's a master at that I love having him I love having him around because he he brings my anxiety level down
0: you mean because his is so high
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well I just think I think anytime you get to you get to you know what I'll say I'll say this I think most polarizing people most people that you think where the consensus is they'll be like, whoa, that person can be difficult or that person can be like that. They're the people that make me feel relaxed. Absolutely, They're the people that bring me down to a level of like, I love life, I love this guy, I love this girl. They're the people who speak their mind and they say what they're thinking, even when, <laughs> even when maybe it wasn't the palatable thing to do. But, but
0: exactly, you're exactly right. It, I always feel like we all as humans walk around hmm With a projection. Yeah. And so, it, in a sense, it's a mask. And there's a distance between that mask and mm-hmm. what we really are. And with yeah. everybody, there's a different amount of space between the projection and who they really are. Right, And so, we're talking about Tony Lucido, by the way, for those of you who are listening. And uh, he's a legend. Amazing Legendary guy. bass player. I love that guy. Um, I've always said about Tony, with regard to that concept, mm. is his distance... The distance between his projection or the mask Mm -hmm. and himself is almost negligible
1: that's right it's
0: so there and so i think when you're around those types of people i mean maybe the reason it makes us feel comfortable is because they're instantly popping us out of the projection world Mm -hmm. into a world of authenticity which is what we all want it's what i want you know and and yet it's very difficult to exist in that. And we mm-hmm. almost have to be just kind of like punched or slapped into it. So mm-hmm. Tony has a great ability to punch or slap you into that that thing. But I totally agree. Take a hit of that makers right there, uh, Paul, yeah, and you. then uh, pass it over this way. Hey folks, I want to talk to you a little bit about the sponsor for our podcast, Love Justice International. Love Justice International is an organization very, very dear to my heart. Did you know that 40 million people, as we speak, are living in slavery as a result of human trafficking in our modern day society? Um, Love Justice is an organization that actually attacks that trafficking, and they do it at its most strategic point while it's occurring, but most importantly, before the men, women, and children have been exploited. Uh, They're in 19 different countries, and in those 19 different countries, they've worked with authorities to arrest over 950 suspects and have prevented over 24,000 people from being trafficked. This is so very important. So if you get a second, please go to their website, lovejustice.ngo. And for just a couple bucks a month, a couple cups of coffee, you can literally stop a girl or a boy from being exploited or enslaved. Um, So once again, take a minute, go to lovejustice.ngo lovejustice.ngo thanks
1: yeah I mean you know what I think that uh, one of the greatest things to me about thanks, Mike. the musical community is oh let me say it like this I think one of the greatest god that's so cool we're, good. we're in Tennessee sipping bourbon got a train going by Are you kidding me um, I think that as an artist, or a writer, or as a a musician, producer, whatever, whatever you do in the music world or anything for that matter, I think the best thing that you can bring is transparency and honesty. And I know not everyone can deal really well with that. Uh, I get that, but that doesn't mean we should challenge each other with, with what's true. Even if you're right or you're wrong, I think you should say what you think sure and and I think that you should also be allowed to do that without people taking offense mm-hmm. you know I think that um, I think that's what's going on in our world right now that's so disheartening and sad is that it feels like the consensus is offense everyone's offended and that's not a good environment, you know, that's a, that's a hard environment. And I think there's a really great opportunity for songwriters and people who bring, have an opportunity to bring peace and joy and all those things. Just sounded like a Christmas Hallmark card there, <laughs> but I didn't mean it to. <laughs> but if we can bring those things in a way that can help people, help people to, get, to gain courage to be transparent and honest. Like right. if I'm on a writing session, I know I have a reputation about it, whatever. I don't care. I'm going to tell you, I don't think this is a good song. Like I've actually said to an artist before, I don't know why we need to record this song. I don't think it's, so you, you can either go away and make it a better song or I can help you try and make it a better song. I'm not, I'm not saying I can, I'm just, we could try. Right. But I don't, I, I think to sit there on your hands and not say something is being nice. No one's served by that. No. And I've always, I said this to my boys, i said there's a difference between being nice and being kind and i say to my boys i urge you not to be nice mm-hmm. and i i implore you and i encourage you to be kind because mm-hmm. a kind person that, that needs co- you need to be courageous to be kind sometimes because sometimes it's saying to the singer hey when you sing like that it's shitty like um, you know, when someone gets their photo taken, they pull a funny smile or whatever, and they don't know it because, but then they laugh and you're like, man, that's a good smile. So I think the job of a producer half the time is, is helping that person to, to, to discover that their smile is awesome just the way they naturally smile. Why do you do that weird thing when you get your picture taken?
0: Or to somehow find a way to get them to do it naturally. Right. Because when you step up to that mic and you put headphones on... Mm-hmm it's not natural no it's it, not it's actually antithetical to everything that is mm-hmm. typically singing so you have to somehow yeah. find a way to get them to relax and engage in a way that's that's natural which is very difficult because in a sense like you said if somebody smiles mm-hmm. even though it's them yeah they can't see it no so i've always thought of a producer as as someone who's standing outside the forest. Uh So the artist is in the forest, they're in the trees, right? Even if that artist is an incredible producer, they should Mm -hmm. never produce their album. Well, why? Because definitionally, they're (laughs) standing in the forest. Because when you're making an artist, Uh or as an artist, when you're making an album, you're in the forest. So as a producer, you're standing outside the forest saying... Hey, there's a little stream to your left. Have you ever thought yeah. about it? you can get your morning water from that? Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't even see that. Hey, the sun shines right about four thirty. The sh- sun shines yeah. on this little kind of clearing over there. Yeah. Uh, oh, where, where? Oh, back, back there to your left. Turn over your left shoulder. Check mm-hmm. it out. You know, and mm-hmm. you, you can see things just because definitionally you're you're not in the forest. Yeah. So that perspective is the very thing that can sometimes lead them to themselves. Or yeah. as you put it, the natural smile mm-hmm. that they've never really seen because you don't look in the mirror and smile naturally. Yeah, You look in the mirror and smile unnaturally. Yeah, But somehow you're sitting in there, you gotta find a way as a producer to how do I get this person when they're thinking about this lyric, thinking uh-huh. about the song, thinking about whether their manager turned in the the, uh, the the correct photo shoot for the for the promo tomorrow how do you get them to somehow so smile true. naturally right
1: yeah and that's and usually most artists um, are, f- are actually they get behind the mic and most of them are in the happiest place in their happiest place on earth sure but it takes them a while to forget about all that stuff mm-hmm. and go oh you know what? Like I love doing this. I can do this, you know, and it's for me that's the beautiful part about production is connecting with artists and helping them to to be their best self at least creatively, you know. And uh but you know, so much of it's perception. It's it's how um uh, most of our struggle I think in society, at least in the first world is is how we're being perceived and social media is like, you know, it's like the it's like the devil's playground with that. It's like how you want to be perceived. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing uh, two girls on the beach. They, were, they must have been like 16, 17. And they were like holding their camera, doing a selfie, you know, in their bikinis. And then they would do these big cheesy grins and then snap, look look at the screen, look to check if it was a good one. They'd do it again. I mean, they weren't even having fun on the beach, but they the, the perception is we're having so much fun. And, you know, I think it, it can be like, that kind of perception than it can be I remember I had an experience where this is a funny story but I had an experience with my oldest son when he was about six and uh, he's out the front and Maggie said it's time to come in and he goes oh fuck like this under his breath it was like the perfect perfect ex- how old is he? six six okay perfectly executed F-bomb um, and uh, and Maggie's like oh man like and then there's some other parents. And we're in the South. We're on the Bible Belt, you know. And they, they looked like, oh, my goodness, you know. So when I come out of the studio and Maggie's like, you know, M- Miller dropped an F-bomb out the front today. And I like, oh, really? Ouch. You know, was there people around? And uh, she said, yeah. I said, okay. She goes, well, you got to talk to him. I was like, ah. So yeah. I go and sit down with a little guy. I mean, I think little kids like dropping f-bombs is pretty funny yeah it's hard not to laugh it's probably. hard not to laugh it's hard not. for me I, I think it's hilarious like when, when miller was two he would when he tried to say chocolate he said fuck it and it was amazing <laughs> it was one of the, my favorite things in, in life but anyway so i sit down with uh i sit down with with miller and i said hey and i actually to be completely transparent i was actually just hoping that god would give me some kind of wisdom yeah, that, that there'll be some kind of, rev- like, i would say something good, you know, because this is, I didn't want it to be just this, you know, don't say, don't say the F-bomb, whatever. Mm-hmm. I sit down with him and I said, so mom tells me that you went, fuck, at the front. He went, yeah, yeah, I did. Man, I just, I'm trying so hard not to laugh, <laughs> man, because it's a little six year old, this little cute kid. And he's owning it. And, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I did it. Yeah. I said, well, here's the thing. I actually don't mind i don't care it doesn't offend me it's not offensive to me okay but there are people out there that find that extremely offensive you know is if if you called someone an idiot or you said someone did something you said that's stupid i find that offensive that's offensive because that's not kind that that's not kind Mm -hmm. i say however you just on because you wouldn't need to come in i get it and it doesn't offend me however when you say words like that out there, people may think things about you that aren't true. So what I would say is going forward, you don't need to make things more complicated, right, than they already are. And I encourage you not to use that word when you're frustrated. That's a great way to put it. Now, here's the thing. About four years later, it must have been, he's talking to his younger brother, George. And Georgie. And I... I remember he just he just dropped the perfect shit, but it was a really good one. It was like shit like this. And uh and I went, Hey, I was about to say, Hey, George, don't don't say that, you know, whatever. And uh and Miller snapped around, and he said, Hey J- hey George, you know what? Like if you say words like that, then people may th- think things about you that aren't true. And I thought to myself, All right, we're on to something here. Yeah, it's yeah, a good yeah. deal. <laughs> But it's that perception thing we all want to be perceived a certain way and uh i think really we need to be able to be in an environment where you know to to salute tony lucido one more time it's like we need more people like him who just kind of like they deflate the whole Pretentious, like we're all acting a certain way. That nice gene, that to me needs to be killed. You it's know, taking
0: ourselves too seriously. You know, way I think that's, too seriously. That's the thing that uh, Tony. I, I hate that he's even got to mention in this podcast because he's so goddamn arrogant. Yeah, he he's is. He's, he's this. thinking this is the best thing ever. Yeah, well, but uh, it is one <laughs> great thing about Tony that he is um, always doing is he's self deprecating mm-hmm. and not taking yourself too seriously is a real healthy thing. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do because our egos are so, they're fragile, especially as artists and creatives and musicians, where, as you said, the perception is everything. It's our, our ego is fragile. So to, to be that guy or that girl that can be comfortable being real and inevitably being real is synonymous Mm -hmm. with flaws. Yeah flaws screwing up and and the opposite of of the the social media culture that's just getting farther and further you know that distance between mm-hmm. the projection and the authentic oh yeah it's pushing us farther and farther and farther and it's almost like a rubber band the the, the, the farther that rubber band stretches mm-hmm. the more potential energy is building up there and the harder it's going to snap the more yeah. it's going to hurt when it pops back yeah, totally and we we just keep pushing that projection farther mm-hmm. and farther with the social media I'm there, I'm you know, I, I try to limit it, but it's difficult because it's inundated in, in our world. It is. I was just thinking about a conversation that a buddy of mine, David Hodges, and I were having. David is a mm-hmm. very talented writer here in yeah. town. And, and we were talking, both of us have this same impulsive habit at the beginning of writing sessions. And mm-hmm. we were talking about how myself, personally, I, always, and I never I never, was intentionally doing this until I stepped back after a while and looked back on it. And I'm like, I think that is a pattern. I must be doing it subconsciously, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. intentionally. And we were both talking about how we come into a session mm-hmm. and at the beginning of that session, at some point, yeah. I will say something lewd or crass, mm-hmm. or I might even cut them down I might even cut myself down in a lewd way mm-hmm. in a, in a um, lewd is probably not a good word for me to say in this environment but but nevertheless <laughs> something no, that is I'm, shocking slightly yeah. shocking yeah. to see mix it up one to see how they handle it two to cut that air. I mean you know when you write into it you no, I into do the a same writing thing. session oh, man. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is like to get to something authentic authentic when you are getting set up on a right Mm -hmm. with someone you've never seen before. And somehow you're walking into a room, you've got to get to know them in a certain period of time. And then somehow you've got to sit down at the piano, sit down at the uh, sit down at the computer, create a beat, pick up the guitar, whatever it is. And somehow you've got to push something out that has some level of authenticity. That's hard. It takes some techniques to get there fast. And, so that's for sure yeah david and i were reminiscing on that compulsion or about that compulsion to just break that ice and that must be what it is it's like we we are tasked today to get something real something artistically good but mm-hmm. not just good real mm-hmm. and that's that's a mountain to climb you well know? And, it,
1: and i think it takes some people especially in co-writes Um, especially when it gets beyond two people when it's like two or three um, or more for whatever reason I think it's it takes to get something good is the push and pull of sometimes you just gotta shut up like if if you're if you're seeing someone on a run like you gotta have the humility and the the security just to go I'm gonna stay out of your way don't just let them go you know and I think that the that kind of having that kind of security or that kind of like uh, awareness is it goes a long way when you're in that kind of musical conversation, you know, it's like, you know, it's this not this slight change of topic, but it's, you know, when someone said, what is music, music's a language, it's a conversation, and it should have dynamics, like the right amount of highs and lows, even in the way that we talk now, like if you leave a little bit of silence, it causes tension so theme and variation is music that's good right theme you create a theme and then you create variations of that theme and then you have tension and release Mm -hmm. so you create tension and you release the tension most of the time in pop music it's in the chorus you release that right and then you seldom have other examples they exist but most music is based on those four principles, or the two principles, the four different things is theme and variation, tension and release, right? And that happens in that conversation. And then what's unique about our experience as artists is while we're creating a song, we're actually in that experience in the room. Like right. you say something to me, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, man, I remember. That's a theme and then a variation. And then if someone laughs or if someone says something or someone says, what are you going through? And they say, well, uh, late last year my son died. And you're like, whoa, tension. And then tears release. Mm-hmm. Hugging, maybe like not not trying to continue the riot for a little bit just now. We're going to like just sit with this, okay? So. Do you find that with,
0: we we? we talk about at the studio a lot, we talk a lot about opposites and it's it, in a sense, like budding bright up against dark, budding aggressive up against serene. Right. Right. So in a sense, you're talking about the same thing, the, the, yeah. the, the tension. Um, do you find that per sound? Meaning a lot of times if I'm, if I've got the main guitar hook, that's, that's mm-hmm. if it's gritty i find myself wanting to go for a cleaner drum sound right that loop's going to be cleaner if, if all of a sudden that loop is grainy and i've just busted out to a sans amp yep. and it's just it's just biting yeah then i find myself wanting to put a clean right pad yep. on top of that yep. or something and and do you do you find that like when when you're getting drum sounds versus a vocal sound, getting a uh, a bass tone
1: versus a guitar tone. Are you, are you mm-hmm. using that tension? I definitely am. And I think, yes, to answer your question, yes, I am. I definitely think that you, you can't have too much of one thing. You have to offset or balance. Balance is a big deal. You know, um, in every area of life, balance works. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that what I'm experiencing in music personally is actually being, it's manifesting definitely in pop music right now. And that is, we are so overstimulated, right? In social media, then everything that's happening, right? It's too much. We are overinformed. It's, it's too easy to access information, it's coming at us all the time. It's too easy to get in touch with you. Like, once upon a time, you would have a voicemail machine, maybe, in your house, and I would. The, if you weren't there, all I can do is leave a message. That's it, right? Or, or even earlier than that, you'd get on your
0: horse and well, take, yeah. take a couple of days and come exactly, see
1: <laughs> exactly. But by the time I get there, like I mean, I sure as shit, I'm happy to see you. Yeah, absolutely. You know absolutely. what I mean? It's I'm not taking it for granted because mm-hmm. it costs me something. Sure. And that's another great thing that I learned. Like we, especially men, don't value what comes easy. So- it has to cost us something to,
0: one of my favorite quotes i think it's thomas Paine. he said that which costs us nothing we esteem lightly there it is and it is it's completely across the board yeah it dictates
1: almost everything and that's what i would say especially to, to girls and I'm, i know i'm being a little bit gender specific here but that's okay it's like don't be offended yeah, right? yeah there you go. don't be offended he's an aussie like we are different there are guys and girls and we and we are different we do cross-pollinate we're all who we are wonderful beautiful flowers whatever but at the end of the day like, for a woman to give her, and I know I'm going there, but for a woman to give herself to a guy easy, that guy is not going to value that situation, even if he's all about it. Like, there has to be some kind of, like, effort. Like you said, I'm on a horse, and I'm. it's going to take me three days to get to you. Right. And when right. we hang out, I sure as anything want it to be a good experience, because it just costs me three days, and my butt hurts. and. You know, now here we are. Well, well the, the phrase hard to get. Right. Is,
0: right. Why is that? Why does that work? Right. It it somehow denotes value mm-hmm. if you can't get it easily. Right. And that is,
1: that's just economics. Well, and then let's say, look, taking it back to music, which is completely relevant. If you and I wrote a song this afternoon and it came in like 10 minutes, the reason why that was amazing is because of all the times it took forever yeah. to get a shit song yes we like we've paid a lot to get to that right point for it to, yeah it's not that mm-hmm. oh this is easy it's not easy we just experienced something that was and it's normally not that's why it was beautiful right right but if it's always easy you don't value it and that's why we were saying when we started talking like you have to value the bad because it it, it holds hands with the good like if you're looking at um, a statue that's been carved over days and days and days. The one of the things that makes that beautiful when the light hits, it is the shade it's the shadows. It's the darkness. If it's all light, there's no form. And that's the tension we live in as artists. I think that's what we're trying to put in songs day after day, whether it be about whatever subject is we're trying to find the beauty in the dark and you need light for that to happen. But when the light comes, you don't go, let's get rid of the dark. No, celebrate the dark, celebrate Mm -hmm. the light. And in there you'll find the form that's like, this is beautiful, this is beautiful, right? You know,
0: I wanna go back to the term balance that you brought up. Uh, I feel like so many people define the word balance as mediocre, middle, um, halfway, Mm. These negative connotations I recently started thinking about balance mm-hmm. more with regard to the term equilibrium, meaning homeostasis everything in the universe wants to come to an equilibrium mm-hmm. so that's an aggregate equi- equilibrium, meaning you can get to that equilibrium, you don't have to use half measures Right. you just have to, if you've got an extremely aggressive guitar sound mm-hmm. then you may need an extremely clean pad mm-hmm. if you've got um an extremely um outspoken bass player mm-hmm. right then you may, <laughs> then you may need a proportionally uh laid-back soft-spoken drummer mm-hmm. you know? that's the truth or or even more so than that let's say someone like you you're not particularly soft-spoken but i bet when you're on a session with certain bass players mm-hmm. or certain guitar players certain artists you change based on based on what that session needs of you so if if there's somebody that's a quiet oh, yeah. right if if heck you yeah. need to be the vocal one you're going to naturally feel that and you probably mm-hmm. kind of engage as the vocal piece on that session mm-hmm. right but if you're with a bass player let's say mm-hmm. theoretically a bass player any bass player <laughs> <laughs> and And he's taking up that kind of forceful. Mm -hmm. um, He's thrown down. Yeah, then you're gonna maybe set back. But I wonder if that's our the need for in the universe to kind of rest at a at a homeostasis at an equilibrium inside a track in a lyric. Even you know, it's it's like the color of the verse Mm -hmm. sometimes will denote or force the color
1: of the chorus. Right. And well, I know what you're saying right now is the, the the end of the the thought that i had with what's going on with social media and we're over informed and things what i've noticed what's happening in pop music is not just within a track or within a song but within the whole the whole the whole thing right now that pop what's popular in music it's so small the tracks are so small You'll notice it, like you listen to the new Justin uh, Changes, Justin Bieber. That mm-hmm. whole record is very sparse. Mm-hmm. And I don't think these things are by accident. When you listen to these different songs, where people have had the courage to come out, release a song with piano vocal, release a song with, it, uh, you know, with a hollow body into a, a Fender amp and just sing the dang song. Right. I think the reason why people are responding to that right now is because it's not, it's not a lot of information it's the balance Mm -hmm. it's like there's all of this stuff coming at us all day and then when i want to listen to a song these days i don't want to listen to a lot i just want i just want some peace and i think there's something beautiful to be found it's a lot easier to talk for 40 minutes than it is to talk for four if someone says say what you need to say you got 40 minutes you're like i can do this But if someone says you got 40 seconds that's why the elevator pitch is so powerful it's like tell me what's potent tell me right now go it's that's hard and that's what we have to do as producers right efficiency yeah it's to be efficient Mm -hmm. and i think that what's what makes a great producer and i'm this is to me this is one of the most important things whether i'm good at it or not i think this is important And that is there are producers who love their ideas and there are producers who love singers and I'm always going to bat and put my money on this, on the producer who loves a singer because the producer who loves ideas is always going to love their ideas to the point of exhaustion. Whereas the producer who loves the singer is gonna get that voice right and then only add to their best ability what's necessary. But if they truly love the voice, then they're not gonna over overpopulate that area. They're gonna keep it as sparse and as beautiful as possible so that you can hear that voice and the voice wins, right?
0: Absolutely, and that's, that's, that fact or variable that you just articulated is what we all probably sucked at when we were young, right? it's indicative of a young producer. Yeah, I would have loved to have been
1: saved from that guy. That guy (laughs) sucked.
0: (laughs) Right. But I think as you you get more experience, you start to realize that you can create the most intensely brilliant track, meaning you can excel at your craft. You can kill that. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can knock it out of the park. Mm Mm-hmm. And if that artist is not a great artist or a great singer or a compelling
1: mm-hmm.
0: force there on the mic, yep. or as a person, um, it doesn't matter. Nope. Nobody nobody gives a shit. And and that's the truth. And even conversely, you can do a track that you might look at and say, It's either maybe I didn't even do that great of a job on it, or it's not my best work. Nothing I did there was impressive. And if that artist steps up to the plate and is Johnny Cash mm-hmm. you better just get the fuck out just, of the way cause yeah, you can you can dumb. do a shitty track you mm-hmm. can fail you can you can i, I mean listen those some of those yeah. old Aretha Franklin tracks and it's like there's distortion there's mm-hmm. like she's just blowing up that mic yep. I and mean, that engineer was back there like I'm fired. I'm fired. Mm-hmm. I didn't get, I, I did. I turned the, the, the gain on the console was way too hot. I yeah. didn't know she was going to sing that no, loud. She didn't no. sing like that when we were testing the mic. Yeah. And yeah. it's just
1: blowing up the mic. Yeah. That that and happened happen on Jagged parents. Little Pill. That ha- that happened on that first Alanis record too. Is that right? Yeah. When she went into, you ought to know, it was like, it was just blowing up and they, they, they kept, kept it. it. They kept it. Yeah. That and so it. I think
0: it's, it's knowing our place as a producer, knowing that, man, <laughs> the, our craft is is something Mm -hmm. but it's not even close to the important piece the important piece is that Mm -hmm. artist it's the singer and so many times you know greg kirsten's a hero of mine and the song yes yes i agree yeah so hello Mm -hmm. adele Mm -hmm. greg kirsten was part of a band one of my Burn, burn the bee. Mm-hmm. That was an insane. I love that. Band. I love that band. Oh my goodness!
1: I wore it, I wore one of their records out. I can't remember what it was called, but I, I had it in my car for like two months. Insane. Yeah. Insane. I mean, when you listen to those records, you listen to that and say,
0: "Whoever the dude is behind this is mm-hmm. brilliant." Backing vocals. Hello. What's yes, Going on exactly. Damn. So he's got chops for days. That mm-hmm. guy. That guy has done, um, you know, tracks that would just burn your eyelids off. Yep. And yet hello is nothing no it's certain. it's nothing he's confident and, and I think it's it's so I, I listened to that and I was like damn he's so brilliant and he gained my respect even more than mm-hmm. he did with tracks where I listened and go, I could never make that track never mm-hmm. in a million years could I make that track mm-hmm. but he gained my respect when I heard that track because I could tell this motherfucker got out of the way Yep, he got out of the way and yep. he knew I'm I'm on a track and in a room with maybe the best singer on the planet. Yeah. And this song... Get out of the way. (laughs) ...showcases that she can sing. And I'm going to step back and make sure I do not take up any more, an inch more space than I should take up. Uh, Awesome. So I loved loved that track for that reason. Yeah. Because it taught me so much. And I've always thought, you have to, well, I think humility in general is the gateway quality mm-hmm. of life. And in terms of, if we're talking gateway drugs, I think humility is the gateway quality. Mm-hmm. I've never found one quality that I think can, can make its way up to the number one spot in mm-hmm. life. Because if you have humility, you can get all the other stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I don't have it, but I'm sure as hell trying, because I know it's the most important one. And I think he showed me with that track that he's humble. Mm-hmm. you know and as a producer you cannot get better as a producer without getting more humble I totally and, agree and and it doesn't mean humility doesn't mean you let the artist walk over you, you, you you're a doormat it's actually the opposite no. it's you have the, you have the ability to kind of know the, know the place and,
1: uh, and yeah a massive part of a massive part of confidence is found in humility you know that's I think one of the greatest examples of that is uh, the story of David and Goliath. And if you don't look at it like a, a religious story, just look at it like a story. You got, you got like a, a fable or like a notion that it's small against tall or small against big or weak against strong. And I don't see the story like that. Like if you look at the evidence of the story, it's, it's a guy who looked after sheep on his own which is a pretty humble position, mm-hmm. but he killed a lion, he killed a bear, he killed the big animals that were bigger than Goliath, stronger than Goliath, they could have kicked Goliath's ass, right? Mm-hmm. right? So then there's all these people who are focused on the giant, focused on the problem. They're just looking at the problem all day, every day, manifesting all the feelings and fears and anxiety based on the giant, the, the, the opposition. Mm-hmm. David's out hanging out with the sheep and he's killing these animals that are way more threatening than than Goliath the giant and and then he has an opportunity. The other thing that's happening simultaneously, he's, he's playing an instrument every day. He's getting really good. He's playing at what, for the sheep? I don't know. He's not thinking about record deals, I guess. He's just working, but he's the whole time, which is why I think this story is so good for artists and musicians and the like, It's because it's all about work. It's all about humility, humble yourself, work hard, right? Mm-hmm. And And one day, it's it, it could some, something great could happen right so then david gets this opportunity and he sees this big guy and he's like i killed a bear i killed a lion this guy's just like a slow target right right because right, right. a bear's not slow and needs a lion right yeah so he he takes a couple of rocks and not not just kills the guy right it wasn't a big deal this wasn't like the small the small guy like taking a massive risk and trusting god like like It's not about that. Sure. He kicked the giant's ass because he was big and slow, right? This is about a guy who trusted God, but that wasn't the point in the story. The point in the story is he he took something down because he wasn't focused on the problem for a long time. He was focused on the answer. The answer was work, work, like do, do your reps, get it in, get better, write crap songs. So that one day you can write good ones you know i mean going back to your point about writing that good song it was yeah. the product of
0: writing a hundred
1: shitty ones right i mean and it, so you know. yeah what i'm saying is when you when you're when you're a, a secure producer because you know that you've done good and you even some in some ways know that you've done bad and recovered from them like you sit in a position of strength and conviction and when an artist comes in with that strength and conviction it's the perfect marriage right it's like yeah adele i'm going to let you sing and i'm only going to add what is necessary because because i don't need to prove myself no i don't because i know i can do this and i think that when you have an artist come in who's at the beginning of their career maybe and they don't have that conviction then in kindness you can help them to to learn what it's like to be around someone who has that kind of humility and confidence like it, like the perfect marriage like mm-hmm. i i know i can do this for some reason i know i can produce i know i can write and then every single day for that little weird moment most of us experience we're not going to be able to do it again mm-hmm. like we mm-hmm. suck at this like blah 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 but that's being able to overcome that voice every day is that thing that sets you apart to me like that's the thing where you're like I don't need someone to tell me that I'm good at this. I know I can do this. I know I'm meant to be doing it. And then you help everyone that you come in line with, everyone that you work with, you help them to understand the same thing. Absolutely, those reps, that's why those reps
0: are so, so important. Second to none. Because if you have the reps, then you're, you're already so far beyond Being able to kind of carry the task out. Mm -hmm. Now it becomes more about the dynamics of the actual situation, and agreed. And it it becomes automatic. Mm -hmm. Um, But but there's no there's no shortcut for reps, man. There is no shortcut. There is isn't. And and, um, you know, even with my guys in the studio, I've always told them, "Hey, get your reps." Even at a time like this, where everybody's, um, I haven't written a ton um during covid mm-hmm. um you and i talked a little bit of, about this mm-hmm. but um but i do think for a lot of these young writers to get these zoom rights in you know write your face off just write yeah. you got it just there, keep writing no shortcut you've got to get the longer you wait to get those reps mm-hmm. i mean everybody has lightning in the bottle we can all get mm-hmm. lucky that can always happen but if you get the reps the sooner you get those reps, the sooner you're gonna to get to that point where you can forget about the keyboard, forget about the drums, you can mm-hmm. forget about the am I gonna get the lyric or not? And you can start getting into the deeper concepts that mm-hmm. really, really start yielding some some good things. Completely. The dynamics in the room or the mm-hmm. you know, the, the bigger picture stuff to where you're not worried about your sound library or where that's coming for, where you're gonna go grab it from. It just it's happening. It's becoming Habitual. Yeah,
1: but I mean, I think, and it, it, I, you know, I don't know, it's coming to mind right now, but Adam Lester, you mentioned him before, like, I think that he's one of the best guitarists on the planet. Yeah. And if he picks up acoustic guitar, picks up whatever electric guitar picks up and plays, he just like, man, all you hear is the reps. Because, you know, as we were saying before, music's a language and, and one of the things I love the most about what we do is that I get to hear these guys speak, you know, whether it's Rob McNally or Adam or, or whoever's playing um, yourself or whoever's playing the keys or someone like Dwan Hill or whatever. And, and when you hear them play, when I hear you play or one of the boys or, or some of the girls, I, 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 whoever you are, when, when you get to hear the play, you hear the ease of the way that you can speak and the way these guys can speak. But what you're also hearing is listening. Because like, mm-hmm. if I'm learning a language, right, if, I, if I'm playing music and, I, and, and I'm looking at like a language, which it is, if I'm learning Italian and I've got the, I've got the book or the app or whatever, I'm not listening yet right. because I'm too busy trying to say something. But when you've learned the language and you've mastered the language like these 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 musicians is... The beauty is in the space, the beauty is in the call and then the response. Mm-hmm. If you're playing with musicians who are just nonstop calling, just saying stuff nonstop, it's exhausting. It's the last session you'll do with them probably. Mm-hmm. The beauty that, that happens in the room is still the thing that, that gets me up in the morning when one, mu- one musician says something and the other responds. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in the writing room or on the floor in a studio, It's that beauty that happens, like, right, dude. I, I just flashed. I
0: was mixing a tune last night, doing a revision on a tune, and there is this piece. Fred Eltringham, who, um, one of my favorite drummers, he, Mm -hmm. he. he, Playing with Tom, I think the band was Fred Eltringham and Tom was on guitar. Yeah, I think Tony was playing bass, and I. I know that they didn't talk about it, yep. because I remember the take, and it was the first time it ever happened. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there was no communication verbally on mm-hmm. this. Just but toward the, toward the end of the song, they're about to go into an outro. Mm-hmm. And it's this really heavy, aggressive, more of a rock tune. Mm-hmm. And toward the end. They both play two measures of triplets. Actually, one right. measure of triplet. Right. And it's just out of the blue. They both hit at the same time. Yep. <laughs> Damn, yep. Fred plays the snare yep. and the Tom fill. And then Tom goes, Yeah, and, totally. And I listened to that last night, and I was like, you could not pay me to take that out of the comp. No. Because it happened. How did they... How did they hear that and yep. it, it, there there was a level of connectivity there that mm-hmm. just kind of um somehow somehow happened
1: that's but what I mean. gets you up in the morning yeah, that's why yeah. I, that's why I do this man it's it's those little authentic moments and you can't get there without that ten thousand hour thing right you know without that without the reps and that's why I love that David and Glass story man because it's like it's a story about our worth that get worth work ethic and how that one day it'll pay off you know and then I think that's the the way that we can encourage especially young artists especially artists like the singers the, the people who have to go out and do the radio and do the shows is that We need to think about them when we're writing songs. We need to think about them when we're producing songs because they're the ones that will go on with the songs when you're going on to something else. Yes. You know? Yeah. So as producers and songwriters, I think we need to be in a habit of making it about the artists who are going to take the songs, you know? Absolutely. Because they're the ones that have to go and take it, you know?
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I I think it's... That's probably the central... Concept to any producer that you. I I mean, if if there's any concept that could propel you forward Mm -hmm. quicker, Mm -hmm. any secret kind of uh, you know, yeah, secret formula. Mm -hmm. That is it. Mm -hmm. Realize that you are secondary, yeah, and the definition of your job is to empower the the one. Oh yeah, and that one is the artist. Yep. And, you know, artists, they're paid to be narcissistic. So they are. They, they, they have to be. And the yeah. best ones are. They think about themselves. I mean, to get up on a stage mm-hmm. and to think that you can get 10,000 people to look at you for two hours, I I mean, you got to be. I know. You, you, that's impressive. A special breed. You got to be a special breed. Yeah. But, but the point at which a producer can graduate to that conceptual thinking or understanding mm-hmm. that the artist is all that matters yep. that that vocal is all that matters that's i mean to jump back to your point i think it was brilliant the connection between social media the lack of authenticity the mm-hmm. the exacerbation of the projection factor mm-hmm. fake um yeah uh, and, and and that connection with the piano vocals mm-hmm. that we Dude, we could never get away with the piano vo- uh, piano vocal 10 years ago every a and r would have said this can't no. be a single and no. now you yep. can do uh at, i mean I'm I'm, I'm I'm blanking on his name the uh um, the uh, uh mike who is the the singer the guy singer that just came out with a massive lewis capaldi. lewis capaldi thank you the Louis capaldi single massive mm-hmm. hit we could have never
1: gotten away with that.
0: That A and R no guy way. would have looked at us, Paul, and he would have said, "Fucking do your job." Yeah. You think I paid you to do a piano vocal?
1: But but if it's right, it's right, and I think that's the difference between yeah. that when you're a producer who's confident, you, you can't do that without confidence. Yeah. That's ballsy move. Sure. Sure. You know sure. because one, it didn't take long, but but then it did. Like it did. There's yeah. I was telling a friend the other day, I was like, "There's a great Picasso story." Um, I'm probably going to butcher it, but a girl goes up to him and says, uh, well, she sees that it's Picasso, runs into a cafe, grabs a piece of paper and a pencil and runs out and says, you know, Mr. Picasso, could you draw me something? And he goes, sure. And he draws on the piece of paper and he goes to hand it back. And he says, holding it in his hand, he says, that'll be $5,000. And she says, $5,000 that took you like three seconds. And he said that took a lifetime. Put it, in, put it in his pocket and walked off <laughs> right. and that's the thing it takes a lot of balls to go I'm going to release this song like this but whether it's a guitar and vocal piano and vocal or a very small track what you should be able to do is look at that A&R and look at that label and say this is what I think is right mm-hmm. I am serving the artist to my best ability sorry mm-hmm. it's probably my wife's <laughs> name um, it's half year. Uh, it's like uh, yeah. Um shout out to Javier Tempo,
0: go get some Come tacos on. at tempo.
1: Love Hav. So anyway, what I think what I think that's necessary in those moments is to not be intimidated by the fact that the A and R guy is gonna go, What? A piano vocalist more like saying we can do we can add all kinds of stuff. You know, but it's this is the way I think the song should sound. This is the best thing for the artist. Yeah, yeah. And that matters you know it really matters your instincts matter your instincts matter Mm -hmm.
0: and it takes I mean you do have to have some credibility there to be able to say that you You earn the right to do that you have to earn the right to
1: do that Mm -hmm. that that track and that training sounds beautiful but I'll say this too like it's it's like like what truth is truth truth goes in every direction it's reflected everywhere what's true is true Mm -hmm. and you can't change that We can fight against it but it doesn't change the fact that what's true is true true stays true no matter what i think about it right so one of the things that i think is true is that when you have that conviction about what's right and it's been made over over years and years of reps it's like it the only thing that can challenge that and usually challenges that is insecurity it's like oh no the song needs more no it needs to be did it and sometimes something needs to be done that's a little different whatever but to me, the convictions that you get over years and years of making music, it starts to become stronger and stronger because you remember the time that you overdid a song, or you remember the time that you got it right, and, and everything else in between, right? It's just based on conviction, you know? And I think that that's one of the most beautiful, beautiful things about working and living in Nashville is that you're surrounded by these people um, you're surrounded by these girls and guys who have just been doing music for their life, like you have. And you have, it's like being surrounded by these beautiful fine wines, you know? Right. And it's such a treat, you know? Well, it's, and
0: it takes a minute to learn, because almost everybody in this town grew up in their town being the best. Uh Uh-huh, yep. And And it takes a minute to learn to lean on mm-hmm. people because we all grew up not being able to lean and when That's you get really to this well town you, you, you can lean mm-hmm. and there are so many talented people so many talented writers so many incredible singers, artists that the point at which you can be comfortable leaning mm-hmm. on those fine, realizing there are fine wines everywhere mm-hmm. around you mm-hmm. is, is the point that you'll actually be able to actualize the uh, the exponential mm-hmm. value that we look for in a track or in, yep. in music or in a song, you know, mm-hmm. and you realize, okay, this is why you get three people in a room. Mm-hmm. You know? That's right. I mean if we would have grown up in our hometown, if we'd have put three people in a room, we we'd nightmare. have t- a nightmare. nightmare. Yeah. But but here there's a reason why that collaboration mm-hmm. is such a big part of, of what Nashville is. You and I have I was just thinking about this, um you started out on piano.
1: Yeah. Okay. I did.
0: I started out on drums. Yeah,
1: I love that. We did the old reverse, yeah. Yeah. I love it. And uh, we
0: also have another thing in common. I think I read that your favorite drummer? Yeah. Steve Gadd? Yes, sir. Okay, same here. Same here. So, quick story about Steve Gadd. Right. I was actually, ironically, I was putting together a tour, a month-long mm-hmm. tour of yeah. Australia for an Aussie artist back in the day and we were up rehearsing uh-huh. in SIR, at SIR in Manhattan. Okay, yep. And I walked out for a bathroom break and I heard some one of Paul Simon's songs coming out the the main room, the main I'm sorry the main rehearsal room there and Damn. I was like, oh, they must be checking the speakers. They, they must be tuning the system. Oh, They must my be gosh. tuning the system. I was like, oh, no big deal. So What a treat. I just thought I'd pop my head and see the room I didn't i open up the door and Paul Simon is in there rehearsing for his tour with no his way. full on full on band no way and um, I freaked out I was a bit sheepish I kind of opened up and yeah I would have lost my shit walked uh, you know, watched for a second um, and then backed away took my bathroom break mm-hmm. and then um, went back to rehearsal yeah. and just told everybody I was like hey you're not going to believe they're over there I mean this this all-star band I mean right do you remember his percussion player's name uh,
1: yeah f- no famous, I, I, I'm blanking uh, on it right uh, yeah. now Javier will be disgusted with me
0: so cut to the end of the rehearsal and um, I'm walking out we're carrying all the gear and I'm carrying the guitar player's guitar amp out and I've got my hands full and I walk out of our door the same time Steve Gatt walks out of his door perfect and I look at him, almost drop the gear and just say, Hi, and he goes, Hey man, how you doing? He goes, Can I help you carry any of that? I'm like, No, 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 no you don't. <gasps> he goes, No, 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 eye. man. Give me that. Give me that. And he grabs no way. grabs the amp and he walks out to our van and he helps us load this all the shit in the van. Oh and, my gosh. and I'm I'm so nervous. And I'm yeah. of course thinking Steve Gad's carrying this guitar he's, amp he's, he's, he's next arm. to me and do i i you know there aren't <laughs> oh there aren't many people i would have gotten star, but some somehow the, the the people who impact you as a kid yeah they remain mm-hmm. implanted in your brain yep. and you could get starstruck mm-hmm. it just aren't many people i would even walk in and be starstruck by no. anymore just living in a town he's like a, he's a living right? legend but he a is. total legend and, and i was so I was so, and I find this all the time: is the the guys that are legends, the women that are legends, the yep. people that are legends mm-hmm. are always, almost always, mm-hmm. humble. Yeah, and, and there's Me a too. reason they got there. And and the fact that he just he just wanted to help us load our gear in the van. At just that, another, another musician, man. Just yeah, yeah. Gets but, it. So what is? Uh, I actually went back and watched that Buddy Rich. Mm-hmm. Piece where um, it's Gadd, one of my favorite musical moments ever. Yeah, <laughs> Gad and Weckle yep. and Kaliuta. yeah. And I remember that was a college staple mm-hmm. for us. But I remember even when I watched that for the first time, mm-hmm. um, I was so fucking proud of him because when he, I mean, I was a kid, but I was mm-hmm. proud because I was such a fan of his. hmm. You got these
1: guys, math, math, mathematicians, mathematicians
0: going for it, going for it. <laughs> yeah. and you know, and Weckle's going on this symbol at the beginning of that, and then yeah. Vinny, who's just both just of them are amazing, insane, yeah. amazing. insane. And, and Vinny's amazing. work with Sting was just my favorite ever, but mm-hmm. then Gad just lays down the groove, and yeah. I've always felt with him. and. The reason why I wanted to bring this up is one, because it's your favorite drummer, but because mm-hmm. you remind me, you've always reminded me of Gad. Oh goodness,
1: thanks. Man. For
0: two reasons. If I had to say Um if I did if I had to say one word to describe each each of those three drummers, I would say mathematical mm-hmm. for Weckle, mm-hmm. dexterous for Vinny, mm-hmm. and then heavy
1: oh, yeah. for Gad.
0: Goodness gracious. And And I've never really been able to quantify what that is in a drummer, but there Mm -hmm. are two things that he has and two things that happen to remind me of you, um, heavy and feel Mm -hmm. there. It's very difficult to listen to Steve Gadd and not Bob your head. You just instantly,
1: he makes it feel so good.
0: You move. And so there's something about him that's heavy Mm -hmm. and it just feels Mm -hmm. good. So when he started playing in that Buddy Rich, show i i thought that is the perfect beat he could start with
1: because Mm -hmm. he didn't no it's almost like it was
0: such a fuck you it was kind of he knew it he knew it it
1: was and i and and i know the guys felt it too because they were trying to say so much that it's like they're cutting that cake into so many pieces (laughs) no one's really going to get to eat any cake it's just turned into mush you know it got to gad and he just slams the wand and it's like he was gone no shut up guys like yep. let's let's say something you know and one of the things that Gad always that we in almost every interview he would talk about the power of a note a note mm-hmm. and how long the note should last you know and it's like you don't move to the next note if you meant to play a crotchet or if you meant to play a semiquaver if you're playing a if you're playing a whole note don't even think about what comes next until you've paid all the attention to that one note, you know. And as a drummer, uh, he always just showed me the way to say something that means something. Like, don't just be like spraying stuff out there, you know. Don't be playing ghost notes on the with your left hand mm-hmm. on the snare if it's not intentional. And you know, if drummers say, "Dude, you're left hand," what what they're not what they're not saying, in my opinion, is you can go so fast with your left hand. What I think they're saying is you're so intentional, right, right. You know, with your notes, with everything you do. And I I I think one of the things that's that served me well as a drummer in the studio for whatever I've done that could be good, it's because I actually don't love the sound of drums that much like i'm probably the most reluctant drummer out there i think in fact i almost apologize every time on the floor when i have to start sound checking you know everyone's chatting and stuff guitarists can be noodling along guys can be playing the piano it sounds great like you can talk over it the second the drummer starts hitting the snare and it just sounds like crap (laughs) <laughs> so it doesn't mean it, it doesn't in my opinion even even if you're good it's like just just shut up dude come on so the fact that I have that in opinion of the drums just naturally means that I'm I'm trying so hard to make them sound good mm-hmm. and to not say too much you know don't get me wrong I love a good drum solo I love the circus sure, you sure. know but at the end of the day um, I think that when you're playing a song. That the the drummer like i said and the producer but even the drummer everyone on the floor if they're if they love a song mm-hmm. they will serve it better than if they just love playing their instrument
0: well i think that's why you've always succeeded and uh, i mean what i've always noticed anytime we have worked together but even mm. even additionally anything i've heard that you play you're a musician first hope so you're i mean there are drummers and then there are musicians who are drummers. Mm. And if you're a musician first, then your drumming or mm-hmm. your ba- when you pick up a bass, uh, when you touch the keys, mm-hmm. um, it's, just a, it's just another vehicle. It's mm-hmm. just another conduit for that thing that you have. And if you're a drummer first, if you're a keyboard player first, if you're a guitar player first, mm-hmm. and then a musician, mm-hmm. you're going to always be limited to that conduit. To that right. mechanism mm-hmm. and to how a drummer thinks. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But when you're when you're playing drums, you're listening to the bass. Yeah, I mean, that's why you're a great producer and, and is because you're listening to the arrangement and the the coalescing of the parts, as mm-hmm. opposed to just I'm a drummer, I'm gonna do my mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and I'm gonna prove myself here, but you're serving the song, serving the artist. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, for for players, and I think that that's what I've always going back to Gad. That's what i always loved. Oh, he, just, he serves that song, yeah, yeah. you know. And, and, yeah, granted, and he could do it all.
1: He could do it all. Yeah, right. He, he could. He could. He could do math all day. He was a rudiment jazz jazz genius. Free, genius. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the thing is, he he turned rudiments into into movement. He made you want to dance to a rudiment. Right. And that's the difference. The way he separated it between the hands and the feet. It was revolutionary and he changed drumming forever. He changed contemporary music forever in the way he thought. Um, And one of the things he said that that I think was amazing was that giving credit to the producer, he said half the iconic gad things that, well not half, that was an exaggeration, but some of the iconic gad things that he did was actually the producer's idea and it wasn't a drum thing to do. Like playing the floor tom on four. Hmm. He said, it wasn't my idea. Like the producer said, hey, instead of doing the snare on four, can you do the floor tom? And back then, it was like, whoa, sure. that's crazy. Yeah, you yeah. know. Now it's whatever, but, but but he was saying some of the things that happen in your career, what it's because the producer asked you to do something that you thought <laughs> may have been stupid, but it ended up being cool and it caught on. Yeah. And another another drummer that I'd say just real quick why we why we're wrapping this subject is Phil Collins. Like Phil Collins to me is probably other, outside of Gad the most influential person in any music that i make and one of the reasons why apart from the fact that he just seemed to be insanely good at everything he ever did um whether it's singing producing everything yeah. writing yeah. drumming um it's the space that uh, that same thing that mm-hmm. concept of space and it's like how many you don't have one republic hits without in the air tonight you don't have sure one. because sure. he's this guy. guy's like i'm a drummer i'm not going to play the hi-hat like Back then, crazy. That's a crazy thought. Right. I'm going to play a fill over the one. I'm going to go into the next bar and I'm going to put that in contemporary music. That's mm-hmm. cool, you know, because he took math and made it music. You know, it, it made it art when a know? drummer becomes an artist. Yeah. Hey, folks, one more shout out to our sponsor for the podcast, Love Justice
0: International. Love Justice started 20 years ago when six college students decided that they would go to Kathmandu, Nepal play soccer in the streets, get to know the kids uh, of the city and in the course of doing this they really fell in love with Nepal but also became aware of the scourge that really inflicts not just Nepal but the surrounding region and that is human trafficking. So as a result of seeing this they tried to figure out what they could do and and started the organization originally called Tiny Hands and now renamed as Love Justice International. One of the other reasons why this is very near to my heart and why I'm so closely connected to it is one of those six college students was my little brother. And as a result, I really got to watch them over the years and how passionate and devoted they are to this cause. But not just that, but how effectively and efficiently they administer the the aid and the help towards um, eradicating slavery in the area. So I can't emphasize this enough. Uh, Go to the website, lovejustice.ngo, for just a few bucks a month you can prevent a child from being trafficked or enslaved. It's, it's that easy. So lovejustice.ngo, that's lovejustice.ngo. Thank you. Folks, we're back. Um, yeah, f- feel for drummers is, it's difficult to quantify, you know? There's mm-hmm. just something about it that, that um, what I heard Miles, Miles Davis said I think it was Miles that said that uh, music is the space between the notes, and I've always oh yeah, I've always felt like I felt like Gad did that. He somehow, I mean, just the nature of drumming. There's not always a ton of space. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got an easier time creating space if you're a guitar player. You can sit you can sit Mm -hmm. out for three four measures, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, But to find out or to find a way as a drummer to create that space is. Um, it, it feels so powerful when you can do it I've mm-hmm. always felt that's you do that really really well thank D- you tell me uh, so I'd be uh remiss to not talk about Lauren mm-hmm. uh, Lauren Dagle mm-hmm. um who you produced and co-wrote um mm-hmm. did you co-wrote did you co-write all the songs on the mm-hmm. album that's insane mm-hmm. yeah we, it was a busy time that's for sure it's insane um. Well, first of all, on is it you say? Was that the big? Yep, you say. So, yeah. on the turnaround, the first turnaround, that mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. is that? Tell me how you had created that sound. Is that a choir? Is it you? Is it's it, is actually
1: it, a really good story. A um, uh, girl called Morgan Harper Nichols. Okay. Um, you can look her up. She's brilliant. She her natural singing voice is a lot like Tracy Chapman's.
0: Okay.
1: So she's a very low uh voice but she can also get up there too so she is the only singer in the backing vocals on that entire record and it sounds like a choir so what she did was she flew in she flew in from la for uh, two and a half days and i didn't have anything in my like pre-planned out i just went uh is it right brain where you just create you just mm-hmm. i just i literally she stood in front of me facing me mm-hmm. uh i had my ar-51 set up and and i just sang her a line and she sang it back sang her a line sang it back mm-hmm. we did it for two and a half days that's the vocal so that i i that answer i um i wanted the record to be like a a, a roberta flack or aretha franklin song mm-hmm. i a type record mm-hmm. um and I wanted that soul call and response thing to happen, you know, it even negated a lot of the songwriting. So it was like, um, you know, it was very intentional, uh, you know, all that to say, she's incredible. And, um, she said, uh, that every single time I asked her to sing a line that she tried to act like someone else. So she was like, Oh, I'm the, you know, I'm the 60 year old lady and now I'm a 22 year old girl real, you know, now I'm a, now I'm, you know, the guy who's in the accountant who loves singing in the choir. And so she, so just she could form the, a choir. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you isolated some of those vocals, you really kind of hear, it. she's not, she, she was just reckless abandon, like going for it, but it really did sound like a choir and, and some of the best backing vocals I've, I've ever been a part of, you know, um, and just, I, mean, I remember how exhausted i was after two and a half days of just rapid fire you know sure um and i'm so uh, you know i'm sure she went got on the plane and passed out but <laughs> yeah she's incredible so that's 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 how those vocals happened not on just on you say but on the entire record wow that's incredible mm-hmm. yeah background vocals
0: take a lot of their hard work just mm-hmm. the, the the stacking and the, mm-hmm. the the heavier i mean it's full-on arranging mm-hmm. yeah um
1: and I actually love that, and I do a lot of it. I, I just finished a record where I sang all the backing vocals myself, which is not my favorite, but um, I do it when it when it's right. Um, I love working with singers. Uh, the record I'm working on now is going to be a very similar vocal treatment in the backing vocals. Going to have that that gospely mm-hmm. brooding thing. Um, but yeah, it's I, it's like a love hate thing for me backing vocals. Like I've always feel exhausted. It's a box I love to tick. On mm-hmm. the I got them done. Sure, sure. You know, thank God I got them done. But I actually like to track the vocal f- first. At least I keep a vocal that can be that can be improved on at the end if pos- if necessary. Mm-hmm. I love to track the vocal first for a number of reasons. I think it sucks that a singer has to listen to themselves suck, you know, over the space of tracking in front of their peers when maybe it's even their first record or whatever i want the i want the artist to be encouraged through the process of recording mm. that by the time they get to the end they're encouraged especially in front of other people other musicians um and 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 i also for another reason that singers and musicians all of us we're like parrots you know we're, we're often paid to repeat something back and so if they hear themselves singing pitchy every single day it's not setting them up to win, you know? So I love to get a really good, get the core instrument down, get a really, really good vocal. Um, maybe even do your best to comp them ahead of where they're kind of at, mm-hmm. so that they'll walk into that, mm-hmm. you know? And then get backing vocals done, especially if it's, in particular, if it's a big part of the. Mm-hmm. So all that to say with, with Lawrence' record, Look Up Child, I tracked piano and I made sure every song was written on the piano. And then that was the key instrument, like a Roberta Flack or Aretha Mm -hmm. Franklin type thing. So
0: it could hold. Yep.
1: so it could just feel like one Mm -hmm. thread through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And something timeless, you know, trying to do something timeless is difficult. So we tried to do that. We did that, record her vocal, and then we recorded backing vocals. Third thing to go down was Morgan. Mm. Then after that, I did string arrangements with my brother, who's a really good uh, composer. And we tracked strings, um, at the tracking room, which is sadly no longer. Mm -hmm. And, and then from there we actually had a record and prior to doing all of that, I said to the label and they, they, I was grateful that they were willing to do it. But I said, I don't want to give you any production until we sign off on songs because I want all the energy to be on the songs. I don't want to talk about the drum the drums in the second verse i don't want to talk about the hook at the top i just want to talk about the songs because you can get faked out you can get totally distracted and, yeah. and you can be like oh this is so cool and then, then the thing that you didn't a- adhere to or work on the most was the song right so you start to realize in history when you listen to music like the hey ah song that it's like it's mm-hmm. an incredible song mm-hmm. but it, it's it's like that you said that light and, light and, and dark Mm-hmm. It's this incredibly, kind of sad or, or hard message over a, just a ditty, like a like a, a party, you know, and it's genius, you yeah. know, it's just genius. So anyway, but if someone sits down in, in your in, in this bar tonight and we and and plays that on acoustic, I mean, you'd be like trying not to cry, you know. It's a beautiful song, really right. well written. Right. Anyway, all that said, someone Lauren's thing, I got the. The piano done on like thirteen or fourteen songs with Jason and and with Lauren, and the label signed off on them, and we were off to the races. But even then, I'm a drummer. I didn't touch the drums until we could have released the record, really, right. in my opinion. Piano, right. vocal, background vocals, and strings. It's awesome. So, you know, I think that sometimes as a as a uh, as a music maker, I like to. To even in the process say what's the most important part like to say well not sometimes all the time like i love to get the the main instrument down the vocal down and go is this a good song you know
0: have you ever heard of feng Zhu? yeah uh, so i've been so affected by his teaching that he was an industrial designer for john I know lucas and all i that. don't
1: know anything about Fang Zhu, but i've heard the name
0: singaporean um artist Mm. Uh, not musical. He's a drawer. Right. And he worked for John Lucas on all the Star Wars stuff. Wow, that's how I know the name. Okay. And he was... He kind of became John Lucas' right-hand guy because he was so talented. So Fang has started a school wow. in Singapore for all these artists, these industrial designers. And from that school of 60, 70 students, he's yeah. evidently extracted the best for his team Gosh. that he now has a production house. But Fang... To his credit so he designed going, the
1: spaceships and things or? yeah yeah all that oh stuff he,
0: he, well he drew them before they were ever computer graphics X, or, or
1: x-wing fought is one of the coolest things yeah ev- right ever. right yeah
0: so fang talks about uh concept mm. and he talks about well going back to something that you, re- you said earlier in the conversation the difference between being talented and being a professional mm-hmm. He said everybody's talented Mm -hmm. but to be a professional is is craft and how do you how do you find a way to do it Mm -hmm. when it counts do it efficiently yep so he talks a lot about that but but with regard to concept he talks about on a drawing Mm -hmm. deciding what is the most important piece first and he said if you're a good drawer, everybody's a good drawer. In his position, anybody that comes at school mm-hmm. is a good drawer. Mm-hmm. They're talented. You can get distracted by the shade of the leaves, the tree, and mm-hmm. the in the in the side, and then just getting all the, the the right light in the mirror of the the skyscraper that's that's in the scene. And mm-hmm. you can do that all day long. Cause mm-hmm. You're good. You're mm-hmm. a good drawer. You can do that. So you need to know that you can do that. But concept dictates everything. It does. So if your concept is that you have you know a a, a a monster coming in across a river and there's a city over here and there are some fighter planes coming from the backside and they're they're getting ready to kind of attack this monster well yeah. that's all great you can work on the you know the the the, the windows in the in the oh, skyscraper yeah, yeah, yeah. but if your concept is wrong maybe there shouldn't be a monster coming this, into the city maybe that's the wrong concept but mm-hmm. you get you get essentially distracted by your craft
1: yeah so God, that's I guess so, that's I, so true in the studio
0: i guess to your point it, it made me think about fang Zhu in 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 the concept if your concept is wrong mm. you somehow denoted that the concept with these songs was piano strings vocal let's get that right you're not getting faked out by all the little no kind of intricacies of your craft but but you're you're making sure that it's you know piano song lyric vocal Mm -hmm. strings and then you know you got a record
1: well and at that point where when when i was i knew that when i could sit and listen to 14 songs piano vocal and that invited friends and maggie my wife and whoever could listen to the songs and go that's great then when we added whatever, Mm -hmm. then I knew it it could only get better. And it's like you said earlier, like with some singers, you just gotta get out of the way, Sure, you know? Um, And some things to consider too, when you're tracking with a singer is like, where does their voice sit? What kind of space does it take up? Mm -hmm. Like what kind of, do I want high tones with this voice or do I want low tones? So with that song, you say we were mixing, I was mixing with um, Mark and it and we were in the mixing phase. And I was still like, is this song even the right tempo? Like it was, it was bugging me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in a, in a knot about it. And then one morning I got up, everyone was signed off. Everyone's happy. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And I, I went to the studio and I took that, the arpeggio the, the the back and forth piano part and i dropped it down two inversions and mm. everything changed wow like her voice the tempo was right her voice got bigger and i think at this point mark probably thinks i'm crazy you know i send him the piano and, he, and then my phone rings and he goes bro game changer wow so we had the piano in the wrong space. It was in her territory. It was overlapping into her, her yeah, sonic world. Yeah. sonic world. And we took the piano mm-hmm. down to inversions. We changed nothing else. And the whole song and everything was was became, in my opinion, done, finished. Right. Wow. Done. You know, what, something wasn't right, and then it became right. Um,
0: and, and you know the crazy thing about, I mean, that's why music is so spiritual. It makes it scary mm-hmm. that you were that close to turning yeah. in a final right. product and you and you knew it wasn't right it wasn't and people had signed off and you know the interesting piece is mark was probably dancing around he, mm-hmm. he couldn't have told you hey play this play this in inversion down but he was probably dancing around the sonics of it
1: he definitely would have been Absolutely. trouble
0: he was probably having an issue mm-hmm. Because the nickel had not, dry, you know, any no. great mixer, any great yeah. producer, the nickel's got to drop in the slot. Mm-hmm. And you knew it hadn't dropped in the slot yet. And yeah. So you couldn't sleep at night. Mark no. probably knew it hadn't dropped in the slot. He just didn't know why you couldn't yeah. get that mix right.
1: Well, then uh, you know, a different example. I remember when I first started working with uh, Brooke Fraser. You know, she's an amazing singer, beautiful songwriter, incredible musician. Um, and she sings... She, back then, I don't know about now, but back then she'd sing real quiet, like quieter than she would speak. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful tone, everything. And I thought, well, and I mean, this is 2000, 2000 2001, two, three, long time ago. And I kept trying hi-hats that I thought would sound good on stage with her. Mm-hmm. And in the end I couldn't find any. So I started using crash cymbals. So I grabbed two 16-inch, two inch crash, crash cymbals and back then that was like you're a weirdo whatever but that was so low and they sat and they didn't they didn't bark Hmm. and they weren't loud and they just were quiet and i could just i could just play normal with these hats and they would sit under her vocal Hmm. and i think that we should think like we're um one of the things i started saying to myself as i was playing in bars like in my 20s coming up through the ranks was the red light should always be on. We should always play like the red light's on. Hmm. And that on, even on the bandstand, you treat your instrument, instrument like a hot plate, like you just play what's necessary. Hmm. And, you'll, and if you make it feel good, then you'll be probably invited back. you know. And that's kind of been the principle of my entire musical career is just make it feel good. Don't say too much be a good listener, know when to step up, know when to sit back and find the love affair in listening to your colleagues say things. Like like respond when it's necessary, but also kind of don't be afraid of the silence either because that may be what is profound about Mm -hmm. that moment was silence. And so I'm still trying to do it today, just the same as I did when I was in my 20s. And I wish I could take so much back and redo it, you know? I think that's the that's the agitation that keeps you going. That's the thing that keeps you wanting to grow right. and get better. It's the, all the things you didn't get right. You know, it's like that great Jordan commercial where he's just he just talks about everything he failed at, every single time he missed, every all those things. It's like undeniably the greatest basketball player of all time.
0: How do you balance it? Um, you hinted at this um, at the beginning of the the podcast, but. Mm. How do you balance? Uh, like you said, that's the thing that keeps us going. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, people who are excellent at what they do—the Jordans, the, mm-hmm. the Greg Kirstens—they're yep. the, the not getting happy or mm-hmm. taking a lot to get happy. Mm-hmm. Just not being able to sleep at night, knowing that you didn't—if something's not right about the piano, mm-hmm. something's not right about the track—that. Mm-hmm. Lack of contentment or that lack of being satisfied is what drives you to be excellent. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's the very thing that keeps you from being content, which I've found in our world when we're constantly, I mean, I can't listen to anything I did. Mm-hmm. The minutes mixed, mastered. I know. I, I listen to the mastering just enough to where I can feel like I've been responsible as a producer To put my ears on it but i can't it's very difficult for me to go back because all i hear is the things that i've done wrong and so how do you i feel like with our job (laughs) when you start getting a little bit older and you start thinking hey life is actually about happiness or or contentment and yet everything in the way that i've (laughs) dictated my craft <laughs> is about not being content
1: yeah I, so how,
0: how do you those to me they seem like two things that cannot fit you can't is it just that you get to where you've accomplished enough to where you're like i'm okay if i'm not pushing myself to mm-hmm. a point i'm going to sacrifice a little bit here in order to be content or is there a way that maybe is a third way that we're not seeing it correctly Mm. And, and contentment can actually coincide concurrently with drive and never being satisfied until it's right how do you balance those things
1: oh man that's such a good question i think um i think the tension is a gift that's how i see it um when i was younger i saw the tension as something i needed to fix Mm -hmm. is something i needed to overcome now whether i'm right or wrong even in just saying that i'm not upset if i'm wrong sure but where i am right now is where i am and everything belongs here the good and the bad and i think in making music the tension is the gift it's not an obstacle it's like the fact that when you finish a record, you find it so hard to listen to the master is the reason why you'll make another record. Mm -hmm. It's the reason why you'll write another song. It's this this thing in us that is not satisfied. And I actually think that's the thing that sets you apart from other music makers who are content, yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember this, I think it might've been X and Y, but Coldplay made a record to its entirety, they finished it, and then they scrapped the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they remade it. But what they actually did, what they said, if I get the story right, is they basically were living the high life, going to all the parties, making the record, living the, you know, we're rock stars, We're, Mm -hmm. we're at the top of the food chain. And then they listened to that record, and they were like, this is like, this is lame. And then they went and put themselves in a house locked themselves away from all the parties and all the you guys are awesomeness and made a record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of what I'm saying is you, you have to stay uncomfortable, uncomfortably comfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be able to find comfort in feeling agitated or you just can't quite scratch the itch and every time i make music that's how i feel and every time i get done with a song i'm like that's good but what's next or that wasn't good you know even when i think it was good i'm yeah. like i need to move on
0: maybe maybe that's the answer maybe it's the process is actually what it is that's what we love like the journey right it's not the final product because we'll always hear the the shit that's wrong with it but the process is that is where we have to find contentment or that's where contentment lay Mm -hmm. i guess that's where we can find it
1: yeah well and i think what i what i get excited to like for instance if we don't do it right we're sitting here talking but what we don't do often is sit down and listen to music right but a couple couple nights ago speaking of adam lester he's over another guy called Dwayne laring guitarist we're in the and we just went from song to song to song and we were like little kids i mm-hmm. mean it was like we had taken a drug and we're just in this euphoric state we were on the brink of tears and then we we're all laughing it's mm-hmm. like yeah and if someone said to me hey you're about to do this and this is gonna i would have said no nah, i don't i don't really want to go and sit and listen to a bunch of songs with my buddies i'd rather just sit and chat but the second music started happening it was this like intoxicating reality and i think that's the thing that we're always shooting for like when i produce a song or when you produce a song we're trying to make the ballad feel like the first time you kissed a girl we're trying to make that like Mm -hmm. exciting song feel like all of those moments in life where you it became Mm transcendent we're really trying to put that that experience and capture it like in a bottle, and then be able to give it to someone else, and every now and then we get close right and and whether it wins an award or, or not, you still feel like yeah, we got pretty close on that, yeah we just, didn't do it yeah. we didn't do it, but the fact that you got close, <laughs> we got close. that's what keeps you <laughs> yeah. coming back yeah, yeah. and then, and then sometimes you record these singers, and then you look at them actually blowing themselves away um I remember when. I played, you say, to Lauren, the mix, Mark Endert's mix. And she immediately started to cry Mm -hmm. in the first chorus. And she looked over at me and she went, I sound like one of them. (laughs) That's a great, best compliment. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I sound like one of them. I sound like one of the girls I always wanted to be. Right. Right. You know? But I guarantee you she's not satisfied, you know? um and like any of these great singers and these great communicators of a message it's like you're always the tension is what sets them apart sure it's not something that i want to ever lose or if if i see you in you know i hope i hope i get to see you a lot more but if i see you in like a bunch of years and i come back and i'm like what are you doing it's like if i'm not making music it's because the tension isn't mm. there anymore that's you know? true But while it's there i'm making music right you know and i don't always walk out to the studio feeling like i want to do it but i do it knowing that when i get in that seat and music starts to happen it'll pick me up
0: it makes me think about um you know in any love relationship the worst the lowest level when you know it's over mm-hmm. is when there's apathy oh my or, goodness or indifference Yep. right i mean i'd rather mm-hmm. I'd rather be getting yelled at. Me too. Be getting shit, just whatever. But because at least you know they care. There's, they there's, still care. Yeah, the current is still there. The yep. energy is still yeah, there, well right? Said. But but
1: but when you get apathy or indifference, can't handle it. Game over. I can't handle it in anyone. Yeah. I can't handle being around it in any way. Sure. I have to be around passion, whether it's whether it's joyful or anger or, 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 or some sadness. Some give me something. Yes. Yes and uh and that's where music still sits with me right now, so I'm involved, I'm engaged, I'm in it um you know, it's like I said, every day's different, some days I feel like doing it, some days I don't, but it's the tension that keeps me in it's the tension it's the things it's all this it's all this the gap between where I am and where I want to be, and mm-hmm. I think that has to do with everything about making music from from drum sounds to to vocal, to mixing. I mean, goodness gracious, it's like, the beauty of being making music, which is in some ways being lost these days, is community. Mm -hmm. And and the possibility of something outgrowing you, I think is the goal. Mm -hmm. I think what's sad about where music is now, in some ways, it has the ability to never outgrow yourself. You can sit with a laptop and do absolutely everything. right? And it never outgrows your vision, what you thought it was going to be. At best, you achieved your goal at best. And that's mm-hmm. fine. But one of the things I love about making music in a community is, is it, it outgrows yeah. you. It outgrows your vision. It comes back with interest. And I think one of the things that you're good at and any good producer is cast. You pick the right people and trust them sure don't micromanage him like that great story where i think i don't know if it was color or whether it was it may have been um picaro i can't remember who it was but they're drumming and the whole time the producer's saying can you do that like gad can you do that like that gad and it's like and he said yeah man can you just dim the lights a little bit and dude wrote on the snare drum get gad and left <laughs> and it's 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 a great story and yeah. I can't, i can't remember who it was but just the whole concept of Like pick the right guys, pick the right girls, pick the right people for your song and trust them, you know, and, and guide where is needed, you know, get what you need, but damn, you just, the part of the beauty of making music is the conversation that you don't know is going to happen, you know? Well, that's, Uh,
0: that's the key that you just touched on it. And Mike, you can let them know that they can come in and they can, they can start setting up. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, We're going to keep talking, but, um, I love what you said. Regarding the unexpected, getting something that outgrows you. Yeah. Because I think that's what we're searching for. I remember bringing players, and you know, I started as a programmer mm-hmm. and doing tracks. And when I started bringing players in, I knew the beat that I wanted. Yep. From the drummer. Hmm. But. I always felt the confidence that that was in the back of my head. I Mm -hmm. had it there. I've watched you do it. I've watched you do it first time. If things weren't working, Mm -hmm. but invariably, if you would sit back Mm -hmm. with the confidence knowing that I got that beat in my quiver if I need it, Mm -hmm. then let the guy that's actually really good at it, Mm -hmm. let him go and say, I got something I know works. Yeah. Now- what do you hear? Now you don't say that. You just let them roll. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I heard for young producers, or the mistake that I hear young mistake, uh, young producers make a lot is yes, they do. They they know what that beat is, and mm-hmm. so they insert it right away mm-hmm. instead of if you got it, you're good, man. You're golden. Yeah, like it's all gravy at that point. Let that motherfucker. Let Paul mm-hmm. Mayberry. Let let Jeremy Letito, Let yeah, let, them let, them let Darren King. Let them do their thing. Let and them then do their thing. They're probably yep. going to outgrow you. Mm-hmm. they're going to do something that you didn't think of. Mm-hmm. And actually, maybe what happens is it's an amalgamation. I mean, how many times you've been yep. sitting there and you know the beat yep. in your head you want mm-hmm. or the piano part you want, but you let them go. And all of a sudden, they come up with something and you still may even go back to that original part. You're going to add pieces of what they brought. Totally. And it's going to become this beautiful yep. collaboration of the thing that you thought in your head. hmm but then the thing that they outgrew you with, yeah. you know? So, yeah. I, yeah, that's, that is the beauty of, of, of maybe that's what we're searching for, to outgrow ourselves, th- what yeah, we can conceptualize, hopefully, right? Hopefully, Our, and, yeah.
1: then, and then, and then you realize, man, I'm really part of something special, you know, because you're, you're getting all those years of their hard work in that little moment, right? You know, you're getting all their attention to detail and it's like, you know i'll still go out and do sessions i'll still go out and play on records and things or 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 play on things at home and um people send me tracks whatever but it's funny when you're on a session and that producer doesn't give you uh an opportunity to respond to the work they've already done in pre-production right right like they're wanting to control the entire dialogue you know the entire conversation and it's like you want to be able to say Hey, you know, most of the time these days I'm on the floor, everyone on the floor is a producer. Right. And I don't mean trying to be like, they are, they are, they're yeah. great at what they do. Sure. And, and it's in those moments where as a producer, I, I think it's most fun to go, let's just go. Let's, you, right. I've got enough pre-production in there. You might say, look, I'd like you guys to kind of treat it a little like a hot plate, but yeah, say something. Um, I mean, why would you not do it? That's why the wouldn't thing. you do you, you've that? You've got
0: them there. You've got them there. Right you, there. you already know what you yeah. can conceptualize. Let's see if you can come up with something that I never thought of. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And even, listen, man, even if it was, hey, can you just knock out this that I've got there? Sure. And then, and then I want you to take a couple, just you do you. You know? Mm-hmm. Even if you did that. But it's when guys uh, come in. And they're micromanaging the situation and and don't get me wrong i understand where they're coming from i understand it but i also believe that most of the time it's fear driven sure it's not confidence it's like not that thing we've been talking about you know it's not that confidence it's like i got the right guys here also well i'm i'm paying them you know yeah. i've got
0: a budget and they, and we only have this amount of time i and totally get dude's got to leave
1: at five i or, get it you know right? yeah no i get it and i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to sound critical but i am saying there's something beautiful that happens when something outgrows you and i think that that has been lost in many ways even in in what R A&R, are are looking for i think there are producers now once upon a time let me say this yeah producers were producers because they could command a room mm-hmm. right one they could they could sing a bass line they could right here on the fly like sing background vocals they, they could they had the respect of everybody from the drummer all the way through to the artist and now there are guys you know, through the young generation, and I know there are, there are ones just like that now. I don't, I'm not saying it's full full like this, but there are a lot of young guys out there now and young girls that they don't they haven't even been in a band. Sure, they haven't experienced the conflict and the tension and the beauty of it all. You know, and so it's like the garage band era, you know, where it's just this with that and this with that da da. da. And it's sometimes right. it's awesome, and I'm a massive fan. And other times it just feels soulless like it's, there's a lack of conversation here because it hasn't outgrown the creator right, right right so
0: you're right there's something really beautiful about a record that you hear about that's been done in the bedroom
1: yeah i, it, I I'm, you know,
0: I'm a fan of it too you and, know? and it's it's incredible and it's there's something to that but not to take anything away from that mm-hmm. i think it's just additive it's not no um, an indictment but right there there is a there is something really beautiful when you um, when you have players in a room that were all the best. Yeah, they're the best in their town. They mm-hmm. were all the the exception, and mm-hmm. you stick them all in a room. And mm-hmm. not only are they in a room, but they're all guys that have gotten weeded out because they they can't just play. They know how to listen. Mm-hmm. They know how to exist in a room. Yep, and so they're gonna they're gonna engage in the exponential collaborative effort, right. right? And so all of a sudden, you've got this thing that is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. So you're right, we're, we're almost in a generation of music that is, um, um, that the lack of real players, it's, it's not that it's preventing beautiful art from coming out because- It isn't, but, you're right. But at the same time, there is an element, mm-hmm. that collaborative element that we're missing, we are. Surely it's coming back, but mm-hmm. but um, but but there is something to that outgrowing what you can conceptualize. Mm-hmm. That is, I don't think you get to until you've been humbled enough to know. I, I just think I can't believe I'm going to bring up Tony Lucido again. <laughs> really? <laughs> but <laughs> with Tony, invariably, <laughs> when he will play bass for me, mm-hmm. will it will be a part that probably already exists because mm-hmm. as you know we've got to we've got to form out these songs it's all in there yeah. Really, yeah we gotta we gotta do the the demo the NR guy's gonna hear the demo mm-hmm. and so it's got to be a formed out so, so we have a hook that works so tony invariably will cover that hook like you mm-hmm. said hey mm-hmm. we, we know this works play this yeah you know and he'll tell you if he thinks it's just shit but yeah he will typically if it's been vetted it's probably decent so he'll play mm-hmm. it yeah but at the end of every session, I always give, and it's labeled on my comp track. It's it's a it's a t-bone pass. T-bone, yeah. And I'll have, if we have time, I'll have three t-bone passes. Where he just
1: get, he just gets it.
0: And it's like yep. Tony, take out all the aggression that you feel from me telling you what the hell to do for the last <laughs> two hours. I it's want you perfect. to, I want you to take that out yeah. on me in yeah. these last three passes. Yeah, and I hate saying this because he's going to quote this to everybody and he's going <laughs> to hold this against me but my comp ends up being largely the
1: t bone passes.
0: passes yeah
1: yeah that's the truth man and it, it's because it's where he's he's changing the he's changing the dialogue he's you're it's outgrowing you yeah, yeah and that's the yeah. beautiful thing and like i we keep circling back around the reason why that's beautiful is because of your not just your Confidence, but it's the humility right it's to be out of you're so you're confident to the level where you can be humble like i I don't have all the ideas i don't know how exactly how this is going to turn out, and I love that there's beauty in that chaos you know so you know even from uh, people who are wanting to control the thing it doesn't it's not just in production it's in like how do you get that drum sound? how do you get the guitar to sound like that how what do you do what's the mic what's it going through and what I want to respond most of the time with is you want to be humble and, and, and say you know this is how this is the mic this is through this through this pre blah 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 but it really ultimately doesn't matter like
0: it doesn't it, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's and who's playing the thing right well and and you know not to lick your boots here but um that's always been your strength mm. is um you know that the song wins Mm -hmm. the artist wins and so yeah we love mike prees we love plugins Mm -hmm. you know we love sample libraries we didn't even get to that today no Uh, that sound go check it out check it out It's uh i've lived off this stuff paul and dustin burnett both um created some insane samples that all of you need to exploit Uh, but we all love that stuff yeah but the thing that i felt you've always done well is not well but it's you've done exceptional is you you serve the song you serve the artist and thanks you you realize that compressors and mics and plugins and drum sounds mm-hmm. and even your own instrument mm-hmm. um, are just simply conduits to serve something higher that's right and all of that. Does, I mean, you, you can have the shittiest mic pre ever. You can mm-hmm. you can you can record somebody on a on a fifty eight, and if if they're an amazing singer, it's, it's not, done. not
1: gonna matter. It's done. As long as you don't don't just like just get out of the way. Like seriously, yeah. just get out of the way. And and a real quick story about that is Steve Gad um, was doing a clinic in Australia on the Paul Simon tour. That you were talking about, mm-hmm. and he had he, he did a drum clinic, and he'd always get painfully nervous before the clinics, which is hilarious to think about. Right? But he was super super nervous, and he walked in, and he he had a miscommunication with his drum tech because the tech had just come from the venue to come to the to the uh, come from the from the show venue to the clinic venue, and and he thought that Gad said i'll tune the kit what he said was tune the kit Hmm. so as gad's walking to the stage his tech is down the back of the room going oh yeah yeah. i did like that kid is completely flat you know um you know shop drums sure whatever and he, he walked up to the drum kit and of course you know long story short he just sounded like Gad. just sounded exactly like Gad because the way you strike the drum, your attitude behind the notes, how you play them, where you space it, right. it just sounded like him, you know? And for the most part, that's the way it goes down every day in the studio, you know, like you could have, um, Three different dramas. You could have near me and Aaron play the same kit, and it's mm-hmm. going to sound like completely three different drum kits.
0: Sure, sure. Every okay. single time,
1: and that's the beauty of what or we do. Guitar did. player,
0: his hands, he can pick up any. It's he can crazy. Pick up a Strat. That's crazy. You know, I remember listening to Megan McCormick, who is one of the greatest guitar players to not be famous. Mm-hmm. She's she's an insane, insane players. Or, guitar player and I remember hearing her pick up the Strat that I'd heard a million times in my studio and Mm -hmm. she just picked it up and plugged it into the amp and just played it and I was like well hell I've never heard that thing sound like that it sounded like Megan and and she's an artist so she played it like an artist yeah uh, but yeah, there's something, it's that famous story that, uh, that's what's about, beautiful. It, uh, yeah, it's incredible. The hands, the, the way you strike the drum, you can never quantify
1: that stuff. You I, know, what, you know. On this, on, a, on the last couple of tours I did, uh, front of house, Todd wine he, he um, great, great, uh, great engineer. Uh, he said at catering one night, he goes, it's once I got, everything's dialed in the room's dialed, um, I like to, you know, I sit back there and read, you know. So he read, and uh, lots of different guys in in the, on in that band would like to play my drums. So they'd get up there and just teeter away. And there's some good drummers in that in that mm-hmm. band actually. Um, but he never ever looked. He said, "I never look up." He says, "I always can tell when you get on the drums, and I put the book down, and we get it, we get it going." And he's it's because it's the everyone sounds different. Mm-hmm. And when you ask him what preamp is that, what mic is that, what's this? It's like, if someone listens to a singer, if someone listens to Lauren sing, they go, "What mic is that?" It's it's hilarious. It's like, it it doesn't matter. Dude, it doesn't matter it, yeah. what mic you use with a singer like yeah. that. Like you yeah. need that singer. How how know? many
0: thousands of dollars have been <laughs> wasted by people? chasing a sound because <laughs> yeah. they think that that's what it's going to be that chain, yeah. you know yeah
1: i mean and we it, it's it's you know the people who are making music and i understand and i don't want to like poo-poo the whole thing i i you know everyone has a right to say hey what was that going through kind of cool sure. there, there's something to that there is science and art but but I, but i would say the most important element is art and science is beautiful when the balance is right. right you never ever have one without the other sure right like a the, the the best espresso the the perfect bourbon the the great anytime you whether you're eating it smelling it seeing it doing it it's like it's a combination of art and science but it has to be in the right balance
0: and I would tend to say that the, if the art's not there it doesn't matter what the science is I, I think it's that the they're truth. not even equal that's I, the truth I, you know I mean you you can have the science of Drums or piano or or you know playing a violin, you can have the science of it, but yeah. if the art isn't right, it doesn't
1: matter. You, you, one of the greatest visual examples of that is this Jeremy Alum. Like he's an English guy, he grew up under George Martin, and he really kind of got me into production. And when he would dial tones, he would um, look at the monitors mm-hmm. and never look at the gear. Interesting. And when he thought it sounded right, he would look back. And then he said, more times than not, it was so wrong.
0: Right. He didn't want to limit himself to what. He, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember when I first started producing, I, I because I came at production from a, a musical. Mm. You got you and I kind of came from mm-hmm. similar yep. tacks uh, as, as session players or, or touring musicians. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about. I, I I knew what an EQ did. I knew what compressors did, just based on when I turned the knobs, it sounds like this. But mm-hmm. I didn't know the science of it yeah and invariably i'd turn these tracks into producers and they'd be like what the fuck you're boosting 11 <laughs> db at 1k on this guitar <laughs> what, what is going on and i'd be like i don't know it just sounded good it sounds like, good like hey what why'd you use that compression session uh setting and i'm like i don't i don't know you know but sometimes well, your limitations can can allow you to, to stumble on i agree
1: you know the 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 ear wins at the end of the day right it It does that's what we're doing we're listening to music you know
0: i was just thinking of this the famous story about chet Atkins. actually it was down at gibson cafe which was on second avenue and uh i don't think it exists anymore but chet was playing a a set down there and he was he was sound checking and i think it was a fan that was maybe in there with somebody that were listening to him sound checking he was playing his what mm-hmm. he you playing 335 maybe mm-hmm. he's playing his 335 hollow body it sounds amazing and that could be totally not what chad atkins plays i'm in the wrong town to be quoting guitars that's scary, but, it's scary territory. but i think i think it was a hollow body yeah. or semi yeah. bo- hollow body mike you would know right no okay Chet's playing i don't this guy walks up to him and uh he says man that 335 or whatever it is sounds amazing chet looks at him takes it off (laughs) takes the strap off sets it on the stand he goes how's it sound now yeah exactly (laughs) you know i mean that's i mean that's the thing it's the hands and it's just it's stuff that like we try to quantify it Mm -hmm. we want to make it empirical but it's not i can't tell you why Mm -hmm. when you play a groove it feels good and it makes me move in a certain way Mm -hmm. i can't tell you why Mm -hmm. we could probably break it down Mm-hmm. There's a brilliant book called "In the uh, the Inner Art of Tennis" that you should read. Oh yeah! And it was recommended to me by a, uh, an incredibly talented bass player named Don Harris. Mm. And it talks about the mental aspect of the intangibles of of whether it's sports or music. And the minute you engage your mind, mm-hmm. you're screwed. Right. So the the initial metaphor, the story that he uses to kind of set up the whole book is: you're playing tennis with a guy, yeah. and he's killing it. He's he's acing you. His yeah. serve his serve is on, mm-hmm. right? And he's he's going crazy. He said the best way to get this guy to start fucking up, to get him off that roll that you <laughs> talked about when yeah. somebody's on a roll and you got to go get yeah. out of the other way. Yeah, stop and just walk up to the net and say. Your serve is really, really great today. Oh,
1: that's amazing.
0: Your serve is great. Tell me what you're doing. The, Reverse guy be, psychology. The, guy will, the guy will be like, well, actually, my toss is good today, and I feel like I'm getting good extension on my right <laughs> hand, and somehow I got this new racket, and yeah. I get over top of it. I feel like the head is, right? Mm-hmm. And then just say, great, great. That's amazing. Well, it's, it's doing really great. And then go back. He's he's done. Oh, he is done. He well, is. why? Because he has attempted to break, out, break down something. Uh-huh. Into a, into a series of processes that is not meant to be broken down. No. He's feeling it because he's got his 10,000 hours That's and, interesting. Right? And, and he's doing it. But the minute you ask him to break it up and try to make it empirical. Break the rhythm. He's not going to do it. Yeah. You want to ask Michael Jordan why he can shoot that, chi- you know, his wrist, wrist angle or the way oh he's my following. Gosh. The, he, he can't tell you. Yeah? No. I mean, he just knows no. he loves the game and no. he's doing it. So uh-huh. there's something about somebody sitting at a drum kit or, Chet atkins picking up that guitar oh we, yeah we want to quantify it and we probably could reverse engineer it mm-hmm. but there is always a spiritual intangible piece that is there in the hands mm-hmm. in the pressure in the you know whatever he's looking at when he's playing that song mm-hmm. whatever he's thinking about when he's playing that song yeah all these variables that make it way too way too uh, uh, way too intricate to Mm-hmm. to really break yeah. down into one mic into a mic pre into a no, certain no, no. eq setting no. you know
1: all i try to do when i'm recording things is to make sure i can't hear the gear that's all i'm trying to do right. unless there's some let's blow out the let's do a blown out drum beat or something yeah of course sure. you're going to hear gear but sure. if, if you're just trying to get good tones record acoustic guitar or listen to a singer i'm just trying to make sure that no one can hear anything just yeah. hear the singer hear the guitar or hear the drums whatever and i'm not an engineer at all and i have nothing but appreciation for that for that world and those yeah. minds but for 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 the most part the thing that makes something sound a certain way is the person who's playing it yeah that's that's who it is you know
0: get out of the way i think just that's that's the theme of, the of our
1: of our day man just get out of the way yeah let Dude, them do
0: it's uh yeah that's that's a good way to end. Get out of the way. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's uh, what I'm going to pull from all this. But, mm-hmm. man, I could, I could talk for the next two hours, brother. It's I love so it, man. To it's see been you, man. It's been super fun. It's yeah, good to we, see you, too. We somehow ate up uh, two and a half hours pretty quickly. But um, if we hadn't been drinking so much whiskey and drinking <laughs> beer, we could, we could keep doing it. But <laughs> thank you for coming, man. You're, you're brilliant. I love what you do. Thank you. I love um, not just what you do, but how you do it and, more importantly, who you are. Thank you, bro. Um, So you're an encouragement to watch. We don't get to hang a ton Mm -hmm. these days, but um, I'm still following it and Mm -hmm. super inspired by your work and use the shit out of your drum samples.
1: Thank you, bro. Well, I plan to be here and never, never as much as possible. Let's do it, dude. Let me get down here. Thank you. Thank you,
0: folks. And that's it. Thank you very much. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening once again. A big thank you to our sponsor for the podcast, Love Justice International. You can follow on Instagram. It's at Intl, Or you can go to their website, lovejustice.ngo, and consider donating. Once again, that is lovejustice.ngo, lovejustice.ngo. Thank you.